Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. to you. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of July, the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Right, in case anybody is curious, I'm having kind of a morning. So just... It's just one of those days where nothing quite... Where all, I was going to ask if you were a little grumpy today. <laughs> I, I, see, here's the, the... I want to draw a distinction right now. It's not that I'm grumpy. You know what I am? I'm discombobulated. Oh, it, that's my favorite word in the world. One of those mornings where it, all the parts of your body don't seem to be working in concert with one another. So, like, you know, your legs start to walk off in one direction, and meanwhile, the upper half of your body is still brushing your teeth. Or Where were your legs now? Uh, my legs are about six inches to the left of the rest of me. In any event, so I'm actually I'm in a I'm in a perfectly pleasant mood. It's just one of those days where you sort of you start to tread a little lightly because you're afraid that at any moment you're just going to fall off a cliff without realizing it, or you're just going to walk right into some sort of a chipping machine, just because you're because you don't really seem to have uh, you don't really seem to have your act together. Well, you could fall into a vat of chocolate like that unfortunate fellow. I saw that story and I immediately thought of what Tim, Willy Wonka. Well, no, see, not Willy Wonka. The judges would accept Willy Wonka as an answer. What cultural reference from, like, 1912 uh, did I think of when I read the, uh, the headline this morning? I don't know. Oh, come on. I don't know what you're thinking. You work for CBS, man. I, I know it's something I should know, but I don't. Wasn't that the Smothers Brothers? Didn't they sing the song about falling into a vat of chocolate? I don't remember back that far. No, that's a lie. See, why do you have to start off the show no, by no, just deceiving no, I, me? I, I will admit. I was thinking back that far, but to a different story, which I'll tell you in a minute. All right. Well, in any event, uh, so... My brain can only... Uh, you know, I don't have a Michael Jackson brain. Uh, <laughs> I was Not even about, Michael Jackson has a I Michael Jackson brain. I can only think about brain. one 1960s story at a time, which, uh, which is fascinating. I'm going to cover that in a few minutes. Well, I think it's going to be it's going to be a good day today. I, I It's not even it's not that I'm in a bad mood. I'm just, uh, I'm just feeling a little off-kilter about everything today. And also, here's the other thing. I was just... I was in the bathroom just now brushing my teeth. And it's also, have you noticed this, that when you're up really early in the morning, every noise seems disproportionately loud? And so I have one of those, uh, here, one of these, like an aluminum water bottle. Because I guess at some point in the last year, we all switched from having plastic water bottles to aluminum. Like, I wasn't really told about it. I just woke up one day and nobody was using it. Because I had one of those Nalgene bottle things. Mm-hmm. And then apparently what, one day, we, yeah, see, and Nibbler still got it. But I guess the, I guess we're switching, though, Greg, to aluminum, all of us. That's what I was told. Um... So I was this morning. I'm trying to get my bearings. I'm just, all right. Let's let's keep it together, man. You're a broadcasting professional. All right, we're gonna we're gonna buckle down. We're gonna go in there. We're gonna do a show. We're gonna execute it flawlessly as we yeah. do every day. And at that moment, just as I was trying to sort of reach my inner my inner zen and just to find my uh, find my center, I dropped my aluminum water bottle right into the sink in the bathroom. And of course, it's a it's a ceramic sink inside a big empty hollow bathroom. 
And it made like this 300 decibel clattering noise and just completely threw me off kilter again. So in any event, you're lucky the sink didn't break. That got, too, in many cases, that does happen. And also this, it was another way. This is one of those mornings where I caught a glimpse of myself in the bathroom mirror and I actually sort of startled myself with how bad I looked. I was just sort of, and the fluorescent lighting that we have in most office buildings in this country doesn't help. But I'm sort of brushing my teeth, and I kind of, you know, and I, I dry off my face. Or I mean, I look up at the rearview mirror or the, the the bathroom mirror, and I just go kind of a ha. And then no, the you, bathroom lighting is horrendous. And then you think to yourself, "By God, is this the face that everybody sees all day long?" How could anyone love me? <laughs> <laughs> That's that. That was my thing. Why has no one told me? Uh, you feel like you just get like you should just skip to the bottom of the page and just take a cheese grater to yourself. You know, we always feel like that on days like that because I'm like this because I feel exactly the same way when we know we're going to be videotaped. That's and we are going to be videotaped today because competitive eater Joey, the look of horror on Tim's face right now was actually so extreme that it couldn't even be calculated. I didn't know that. We're going to capture your image on film, Tim, taking your soul away forever. So competitive eater Joey Chestnut will be uh, joining us my in the studio. My makeup is not in my bag this morning. I certainly hope it's the back of my head, if anything. Your TV, your television makeup? Yes. <laughs> well, you've all got problems. We all have issues. <laughs> uh, oh, competitive eater Joey. so early do I know this? Oh, jo- my day is ruined. Joey Chestnut will be in the uh, studio later on today. He is the uh, coming off the fourth uh, in a row championship at the Nathan's uh, uh, famous uh, Coney Island hot dog eating contest. Uh, so he will be uh, with us in the 8 o'clock hour. In the 7 o'clock hour, the Multnomah County Health Department will be paying us a visit to answer the magical question, exactly how filthy is this studio and what kind of germs are filling it? Uh, we'll also talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City, and Amanda Moyer has the latest on uh, Steve McNair, because I think they've officially ruled now on on what it was that... Uh, it was the other woman. It was the other woman, and I think, I, I think the deal is that she killed him, then she killed herself because she... And keep in mind that she was the mistress. She's the mistress, but freaked out because she thought he was dating somebody else. So I guess he's married and has the mistress, but then the mistress starts to suspect that he's getting it on with a third woman. And that was just, that's just too much. That's just one one woman too many right there. Uh, And this is all true. Let's uh, pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, never, Tim (laughs) Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. It's going to be an awesome day. I can already tell. I can feel it. I felt my stomach tighten when I heard that cameras are going to be in the room. Cameras? Hello, everybody. It's going to be a nice sunny day outside today. High temperatures will be in the mid-70s. It's 5.07. This is a weird story. A Comcast worker was charged with beating a woman at a check-cashing joint. The horrific act unfolded around 10.30 yesterday morning at Ace Check Cashing, that's at 7332 Southeast Powell. Employees of the next door cheer outlet became concerned when their phone lines went down. They checked next door to see the woman at Ace talking to the on-duty Comcast employee. Moments later, they heard arguing loud noises and returned to find the woman bound, her mouth taped shut, and bleeding from the head. Now, she was behind a bulletproof enclosure... So they couldn't help right away. So the question is, how did the Comcast guy get behind there? Which is another mystery. Police later arrested Comcast employee Michael Hagan and charged him with aggravated uh, attempted murder, robbery, and assault. Naturally, Comcast is appalled by the situation. It's official. Why did I write down after all this 29th Street when it's 39th? 39th Avenue will be named Cesar Chavez Avenue. City commissioners voted unanimously for the change, and some uptight white people are going to contest this, of course, causing all kinds of problems. 
Three TriMet counterfeiters have been arrested for allegedly passing off more than $100,000 worth of fake tickets. The scam started about three months ago. Who goes to the trouble of creating fake? First of all, these guys are selling them. But how would you even do that? It's not that hard. All you need is a decent printer. Not that that I've done it in the past. But I've looked at those tickets before. You know, if I was a counterfeiter, this would be an easy job. Duly noted. Hey, you know what's not an easy job? Let me me stop and and rephrase this because this is going to come out wrong. I was about to say it's not an easy job to counterfeit American money. Here's what I mean by that. Um, so Don't I, attempt to do it. That's what you mean by well, that. Well, it's not even... Here's the thing. So I have a, an artist friend of mine who uh, he does a lot of like really heavy-duty industrial design, and he does very complicated graphic design for um, what we might call major businesses in the Portland area. And he uses Adobe Photoshop. Did I tell the story already? He told. I forget no. sometimes if I've told stuff off the air or on the air. But he did the greatest thing where he scanned... Um, a twenty dollar bill in because he was going to be he was going to be basically making a sort of um, he was going to be doing something that was sort of a play on American money it was sort of a sort of a parody of the of of the twenty dollar bill so he scans in a twenty dollar bill into Adobe Photoshop and as soon as he does so a huge warning window comes up in Adobe Photoshop that says hey it looks like you're trying to scan some American money just so you know you can do whatever you want but we won't let you print this have a good day thanks. Which is kind of freaky, yeah. Because it makes you wonder how somebody inside watching you. That's the deal, and and this isn't like a conspiracy thing. Like he took he took a screen capture of the warning window and sent it to me. He's like, "Hey, check this out. It just happened. How weird is this?" Which makes you wonder how does Photoshop know that you're scanning American money and who made them do that? And what other computer equipment do you have in your home that might recognize American money or whatever if you were to try to print it? Like if you decided just to, um, you know, like if you just, just spit out some, like your own copy of the Magna Carta at your house, is there going to be something where like your Hewlett Packard printer isn't going to, uh, you know, isn't going to allow you to do that? It's just weird when you think about stuff like that. Uh, well, let's do one more here and then uh, we will get uh, caught up. We'll talk to Amanda Moyer coming up at 520. So I, I have this story here and I am fascinated by it. It's almost the 40th anniversary of the landing on the moon. Most people are bored with this story now. But there is something new, and this comes to us from The Telegraph, which is a legitimate newspaper. It doesn't make up stories like the sun. No. At the same time that we were about to land on the moon, the Russians had sent a spacecraft, which was supposed to land on the moon before us, scoop up some moon rocks and return to Russia. True story. And uh, this long-forgotten tape, this is an actual tape from a British observatory of these guys describing this spacecraft, what happened was the astronauts were observing this thing that was supposed to land on the moon before us, scoop up the moon rocks and go back, but it crashed because it came down too fast. Uh, Let's see. So the voice on this says, it's landing, it's going down much too fast, and then it it closes by saying, I say, this has really been a drama of the highest order. So here's this uh, tape from these British observers in 1969. They do. Well, that we believe to have been the landing of Luna 15, and here on the background, you'll hear the voices of the Apollo astronauts on the moon. Uh, we think that the landing has taken place in the Sea of Fertility. Now, this is the Russian spacecraft coming down. Wait, so there's Russian wreckage on the moon? Yeah. I was never told this. We were never told any of this. Oh, that's creepy. And it was happening at the same time that our astronauts are getting ready to land on the moon. And we know nothing about this. Oh, that's freaking me out. So somebody said, put these tapes away and never talk about this again. <laughs> Good God Almighty. See, stuff like that terrifies me for reasons that I can't really quantify. 
All right. Uh, I, I just thought it was the creepiest thing. Uh, we we should play that again later on just so we can freak everybody else out. I'm one of the only one who's weirded out by that whole thing. Coming up at 520, Amanda Moyer has the latest on the Steve McNair case. You're listening to The Rick Emerson Show. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. All right, what's next? Are people going to start having sex with ducks? When can that start? Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO, 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley coming up at 7 o'clock. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City at 640 Mr. Skin. And now from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, our good friend Amanda Moyer joining us. Good morning, Amanda. How are you today? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? I am uh, I am fantastic, is, uh, is, is how I am. Um... So this this business of uh, Steve McNair, they they kind of have just they've confirmed now what you were saying they had speculated almost from the very beginning, right? Which is that this uh, the woman he was with, his mistress or whoever, um, that uh, she uh, shot him and then and then took her own life. And they're now saying it was because she was under the impression, uh, correctly or otherwise, that he was, in fact, seeing a third woman. Have I got kind of the broad strokes of this correct? That's right. That is the the overall look, that apparently uh, he thought she thought that he was seeing someone else. Uh, she had told her friends that, you know, her life was unraveling. Apparently she had some financial issues as well, and she'd actually told people that she had wanted to end everything. And then uh, when police investigated this first, by the positioning of the bodies, where the gun was. The gun was found underneath of her. Also, um, gunshot residue was found on her left hand, and there was no evidence that anyone else had been in there or uh, there was forced entry, so and I read, they concluded it. I read something the other day that said that because she'd been hit for a DUI a couple of days before all this happened, and apparently she was driving in an Escalade that he had, that he had purchased for her. That's right. McNair had bought her a Cadillac Escalade, uh, but a couple days before uh, they were they died. She um, had gotten a, a DUI. He was actually in the vehicle with her when when she got this DUI. He ended up taking a taxi home. Uh, Kazemi was given a field sobriety test, um, and apparently that was all part of her um, unraveling, as she had told friends. You know, whenever something like this happens, obviously there's you know the, the friends and loved ones always you know, come out, and the, you know the first thing they say is that you know this all seems very out of character, and there wasn't anything to indicate that you know that that, that whoever it was was that you know that situations like this are always are always depicted as being very much at odds with how with how the person was perceived uh, to be and it does seem to be the case with Steve McNair uh, as well because by all accounts this was this doesn't this doesn't at all seem like the way this guy's life was going to end up it does seem to have come out of left field uh, for him that's right. And people who knew McNair were shocked by this. They did not, a lot of them didn't even realize that the relationship was going on for as long or as, as serious. I believe he had been dating her for about six months. And uh, the fact that now friends of hers are saying that maybe he was seeing another woman. Keep in mind, McNair is also married and he has four children. So uh, friends and, and former players were all very surprised by this. All right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much, and uh, we will talk to you in the immediate future. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. There you go. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen, CNN Radio in Atlanta. All right. Hello, Tim Riley. What stories are we following for the good people of Portland, Oregon today? 
Well, fancy you should ask. A Portland woman racks up $1,700 in parking fees at the airport and tries to get away. Michael Jackson's veins had collapsed from too many needles. <laughs> uh, uh, do not want. And Elizabeth Taylor tried to seek the services of that same Dr. Murray. Luckily, she didn't. And Bill O'Reilly sharply asked Al Sharpton if he really thinks Michael Jackson was really not that strange after all. Good for Bill O'Reilly. Well done. Because because didn't you want somebody to ask him that when uh, when Sharpton was out there? And I we have the soundbite somewhere of him saying, you know, there, there was nothing strange about your daddy, which is just a lie. That's that is ju- a lie. It's just a lie. I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's a nice rewriting lie. History. That's a, but see, that's, that's like the thing with Steve McNair, right? When it's like he's got a wife and four kids and a mistress and apparently some other skis that he's seeing on the side. And they go, well, it was very unlike him. He uh, Maybe there's some misunderstanding, which is clearly also a lie. Uh, but I understand that you don't want to trample on a man's grave, as Kiefer Sutherland says in A Few Good Men. So, well, whatever uh, happened to good behavior from mistresses like in the days of uh, Charles Corral? Yeah. Oh, was that Charles Osgood? I can't think. Charles I think Osgood. That, I think there were two separate people there, yes. but back um, in the day, people would just keep quiet and take the money. That's right, Tim. Well, People is, had class. Speaking of which, who was I just reading about this morning? They were talking about somebody who was expected to just take the money. It was some other, it was some other politician. It wasn't what's-his-name either. It wasn't Mark Sanford in South Carolina. You know what I'm talking about? There's some other Republican lawmaker who was in the news today because he, because he was his mistress. They gave her like fifty grand to, to you know to keep her trap shut, and then she didn't. Which is the sort of thing that appalls me. You would think that uh, in this day and age we would cling to some vestiges of honor. No honor. I remember when uh, when the Heidi Fleiss thing happened, and she just started bumping her gums about who about all of her clients. All the, and the only one of whom in her. Well, I, it wasn't that I was. To, yes, yes, I expected much better from a whore. Um, it was, it wasn't, I'm shocked and appalled. The, it wasn't that I was disappointed. It's that, what's her name? Sydney Barrows, who wrote that book, Mayflower Madam, which I believe you still have. I still have that. Yes. I'm like halfway through it. You know, you have a lot of things of mine that you have never read, watched, finished, (laughs) much less given back. Have you ever finished watching Sports Night? No. Yeah, that's fine. The laugh track is so distracting. You know, if I, look, it bothers me and it bothers Aaron Sorkin for that matter, way more than it bothers you. It's a quality program. I Working know. in radio, you will appreciate that I show. just found myself trying to watch it for the wrong reasons. Like, I kept getting distracted. Like, I'd be playing on the internet, so I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be watching Sports Night. Fine. You should just give it back. I don't want you to have to watch it as, like, a favor. No, I want to watch it. No, that's a bit... See, that's a lie. I if really you... want to watch it. Stop asking. <laughs> if you wanted to watch it, you would have watched it by now. This is it's clearly a thing I'm having to badger you into doing. No, I got distracted by True Blood. Really? I'm not that deep. Well, in any event... So a long time ago, I lent Sarah this book called Mayflower Madam, Tim, and she never read it, but that's fine. So I'll explain to you what it's about, since Sarah can't. Is that the story it. of a lady who <laughs> runs a moving van? Yes. It's exactly You're going to have to come over to my house sometime, Rick, and just go through all my possessions. The huge the gunny sack is <laughs> taking home all the things that belong Seriously, to me. Seriously, because some of your things I've had for so long that they've just become mine. Like, I don't know which is like, mine. You're all like the Homer Simpson to my Flanders. <laughs> I come over just to get my weed whacker out of your garage. Yes, there's lots of masking tape over Rick Emerson that says Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, but she wrote this book called Mayflower Madam, and Sidney Barrows ran a, an escort service in Manhattan. And um, she uh, she was a descendant of the, 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 the people who came over the Mayflower or whatever, and she was kind of this blue blood, uh, the socialite type and whatever. So she got busted for running this hooker service, and she wrote a great book. But she, I saw her interview when the Heidi Flies thing happened, and she said that she was she was appalled. She was just like, in my day, madams had, you know, we had values, and we had a code of ethics. You didn't reveal your clients or whatever. And there was, but there was some mistress today in the news because some some politician somewhere was sticking it to her and gave her 50 grand, which you think would be enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd keep quiet for fifty grand. I mean, there's a, there's not there's not a lot uh, that I couldn't be 
you know, that I wouldn't keep silent for for fifty thousand um, dollars. How did we get started on this whole thing? Steve McNair. There was something else there. Steve McNair and Charles Kuralt. Yes. Why are we talking about this again? You were talking Ladies about something. Should keep, the, should keep their mouths shut. <laughs> well, that's always true, Sarah. Um, <laughs> the well, in any event, uh, all right. Coming, uh, coming you're up. We get in trouble as this morning goes on. I just, I just seriously. Have this your you're vulture yourself, is gone. You're leaving yourself very vulnerable <laughs> in that corner by yourself. Uh, we were talking about something that's coming up in the Portland news, but I can't remember what it was. I guess it doesn't matter now. All right, straight ahead, we have news from Tim Riley coming up next hour. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum joining us at 7 o'clock. The Multnomah County Health Department will answer the question, how filthy is this microphone? We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. Stay right there. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Stick a bastard in it, you crap. The Rick Emerson Show returns. All right, then. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up later on, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And there's a screening next Monday, courtesy of KUFO. Coming up at 6.40 today, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City at 7 o'clock. And in the 8 o'clock hour, competitive eater, Joey Chestnut. Speaking of eating, Sarah, did I ever show you this anorexia uh, article from yesterday's Oregonian? Mm-mm. Oh, it's infuriating. Oh, really? Would you like to hear the anger, uh, the most anger-inducing paragraph, or should I wait till later? Oh, tell me now. Well, let me just say this. Well, tell me the anorexia story so that I can enjoy my hot dog even more later. So when you're doing it, uh, this is yesterday's paper, so this is sort of a, a bit dated. You can't, unless you go looking for this, you're probably not going to be able to see the visual accompaniment to this. Just my observation, if you're doing a piece about anorexia and purportedly coming from the position that it's, you know, bad, maybe the subject of your article should not be illustrated with a photograph that still shows her looking, in my opinion, uh, underweight. I mean, oh, there's she's this, very thin. See, that's what I'm saying. There's, they have this photo of her that looks... Is I this mean, her beating a- anorexia or this whatever? Is, yeah, this is, this is purportedly her after she has overcome anorexia and gotten back to her normal weight, and she still looks like a stick to me. Since when does that, like, that picture deserve a third of... A page. Well, there are probably other reasons for that. Dude, that chick reminds me. I, Fellas I, need something to ogle at the barbershop. <laughs> I suppose so. Anorexia just annoys me. I know it's a sickness or whatever, but um, <clears throat> so this girl that I knew on the internet had a quote, and she was horrible. She wasn't my friend, but she was a friend of a friend, and her quote said, um, no food will ever taste as good as being thin feels. Really? Really? Well, the good news is she's probably to, dead of renal her. failure by now. So <laughs> I wanted to hit her through the computer. Well, here's <laughs> that is a great phrase. I want to punch you through the computer in your pirate hooker mouth. I mean, that girl's really pretty though, but she in no way. I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the photograph. She just she still looks very thin to me. I'm not saying she looks bad. I'm just saying she looks very. Here's the thing. just when when you think of somebody who has overcome anorexia you don't necessarily uh, you don't necessarily think of somebody who looks like the woman in the uh, in the front of this uh, in the front of this anorexia article did you ever see that were you with me uh, no i guess it must have been lara uh, we, we ran into that uh, there's a listener version ken and i saw him at the Roger Klein show and ken is a um, ken's a large man ken is a man of uh, he's a man of substantial carriage and he has the best shirt that he wears occasionally which just says i beat anorexia 
And I think deliberately the shirt is several sizes too small as well, so that adds to the comedy value. So that's, but the picture of her is not even the anger-inducing part. I will read this one paragraph, then we'll get to uh, Tim Riley at the news desk here. So they they, they have two pages where they track her, uh, you know, her struggle to overcome. Just eat, for the love of God! I'm trying to overcome anorexia. Have a goddamn sandwich and shut your trap. Uh, but they get to the party where she's in treatment for anorexia. Which is a thing that would only happen in America. There's, there's no other nation on earth where you would have to pay how much money, Sarah, to be treated for this? Uh, $10,000, that's right. I was going to say $400. She pays $10,000 uh, for treatment uh, you know, to learn how to put food in her mouth and to keep it inside her. At first, she dra- this is, they're talking about the long road back to eating. It took her more than a year of hard work, it says, for her to pull out of anorexia. She spent 60 days at Remuda Ranch at a cost of tens, I'm sorry, not $10,000, tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. Learning to eat normal meals again. She said, quote, the very first meals were hard because I felt like I still had to do my behaviors of restricting, she said. It becomes so much a part of you that you're afraid to lose control over uh, food. At first, she drank five Ensure nutrition supplements a day to gain some weight back. Gradually, she ate more food, starting with safe foods like salads and chicken, then adding in more frightening items, fatty foods such as pizza and hamburgers. And then she says, quote, this is the most American thing I have ever read in my life. Quote, every two weeks, they'd have a challenge, like an ice cream challenge or a brownie challenge, which sounds kind of perverse in a strange way. One of the most feared foods to show you can be part of the, uh, you show that you can have them as part of your normal diet. So apparently you work up to uh, the challenge, which is uh, consuming brownies and ice cream. Seems like tens of thousands of dollars. Well tens of thousands of dollars. So that's where the money is uh, right now. It is, uh, is treating anorexia, Sarah. So if this uh, radio thing doesn't work out, you just need to open yourself like a lodge somewhere. Try to have a lot of sort of exposed wood and then give it a name like Healing Brook or something. And then just, uh, and then just uh, wait for white women to show up. All right. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it is your personal savior, Tim Wright. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 544. Expect sunny skies today. Highs in the mid-70s. Wiley thieves have stolen over 100 Clackamas County signs. It's not because they wanted to proudly display them on their bedroom walls. They're worth at least 100 bucks a piece as scrap. Anyone being offered Clackamas County signs at bargain prices is asked to contact the authorities. Where would you even sell such signs? Oh, I guess if you're like a metal dealer or something. Mm-hmm. Don't metal dealers... Look, I know that you can make the case that you didn't, like, you can't identify where some wire came from. But if a guy comes in with a sign that says, Welcome to Clackamas, can't you kind of, it seems like connecting the dots to find the point of origin is not all that difficult. Did you know that they used to make the Viewmaster in Beaverton? I did know that. Here's why I know that. I know that they used to, because isn't the Viewmaster made by Tyco, or wasn't it? Yes. Okay, I know that they made that. Sarah, do you know what a Viewmaster is? Um, I don't oh, so. Just the um told me all that. Greg, do you know what a Viewmaster is? Okay, so that's the, uh, how far apart are you guys in age? Like five years? Uh, Greg and I are three years apart. Three years apart? Okay, so that three years makes all the difference. It, I know that they used to make the Viewmaster in Beaverton because that's where the Tyco plant was, because I think the Tyco plant... It's just my recollection. There was something they were. There was some sort of issue with the workers being exposed to some kind of toxic material, like people dying of cancer. Something like people dying of cancer. Yes, quite possibly just that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, DreamWorks is in talks to make a movie about the Viewmaster. It's gonna let. Believe, that's that's fantastic. I mean, of all the great scripts out there, 
This one is just screaming to be made. Coming up this fall, Charcoal Sketch, the movie. And it's going to be in 3D. As a binoculars, a new film so by a, Michael Bay. What is a Viewmaster? Uh, what is a Viewmaster? Uh, a Viewmaster. You your eyes and you click it and see pictures. Oh, with the pictures in the yeah. circle. But it, yeah, yeah, but it looks, yeah, Viewmaster sort of looks like it, it, oh, I totally had that. Yeah, it looks like, um, for you kids out there, a Viewmaster, God, it's, it's, it's astounding to think of what used to pass for really great entertainment when I was a kid. A Viewmaster looks like a Polaroid camera, which itself is kind of a dated reference at this point, but it looks like a Polaroid camera crossed with a pair of binoculars, and you would put a disc of pictures into it, and then you would look inside, and it would give you the illusion of a three-dimensional uh, photograph. And you would press a button, and it would advance to the next photograph, and then the next, and the next. And it would tell you basically a story in about 15 slides, but the gimmick was that it looked like it was three-dimensional. And, and I realize now that it's, all, it's difficult to explain if you've never used one. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've never had a Viewmaster uh, trying to sort of convey what the experience is like. Here's the thing that when I was a kid, I found the Viewmaster fascinating because... It seemed to me that all the Viewmaster stuff I had, like, none of it was, um, it, it wasn't actual photographs. None of it was uh, it was live action. In other words, it wasn't, like, nature pictures or something. It was all, like, weird Flintstones adventures. I had a bunch of uh, Disney ones. But were like, yours hand-drawn, or did it look like they were almost, um, like it was almost uh, uh, figurines or something that they had photographed to make into the story? You know what I mean? In other words, almost like a stop-motion kind of a thing, except it was just frame by frame. That's what mine looked like. And so it was bizarre, because you would it, you really would have this... When you're a kid, you can play tricks on yourself pretty easily, where it would feel like you could sort of reach out and touch whatever the thing was. I seem to remember having a bunch of Scrooge McDuck Viewmaster things as well. All right. Oh, by the way... And well, I, your parents were concerned about your education, and it paid off. <laughs> uh, Greg wants me to... Uh, no, I guess I, I did read about this. They're making an Asteroids movie as well. Uh, the video game uh, Asteroids, which I can almost see. I mean, that's a th- like at least there's actually something happens in the game Astro. I mean, granted, the thing that happens is you just spin around in a circle. But I mean, I mean, I guess that's movement of some kind. I think Bobby was making the. Uh, I think Bobby, the uh, court and Fatboy, made the joke about the Asteroids movie. Where there's the grizzled sort of Captain Avatar type guy who it talks about. I knew a guy once who pressed the hyperspace button, landed halfway in the side of a meteor. It's the worst thing I ever seen. So, anyway, all right. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a Geek Watch. Like, that wasn't... Like, we didn't just leave one. Uh, here's your Geek Watch. High-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Energize. This is in two parts. Part one. CompuSir, the first commercially successful online and email provider in America, has been shut down by AOL after 30 years of service. Wow, it's been around for 30 years. The original CompuServe, uh, later renamed CompuServe Classic, was laid to rest July 1st. A message was sent to remaining subscribers. I think we know one of them. Uh, AOL suggested (laughs) sticking with uh, cheap dial-up to move to the company's surviving sub-brand ISP CompuServe 2000. That sounds very modern. (laughs) CompuServe 2000, really? Is that is that what passes for a uh, is that what passes for the latest upgrade at that company? Mm -hmm. Can't you just hear Bruce complaining about it too? There's nothing wrong with that dial-up. Maybe it's just getting email. It works fine. 
CopyServe's online service for consumers debuted in 1979 and oh, soon yeah. became synonymous with the online experience for generation. Imagine that. Lara's uh, uncle, uh, her uncle Dick, I think, probably, he probably is affected by this as well. I think he still had, in addition to everything else, um, I think he still had his CompuServe account because he just, for the same reason, not that he hadn't survived. Do you ever meet an old guy and you think to yourself, that's exactly what I want to be like when I'm old? Uh, because how often, I mean, you meet people of a certain age and you kind of, and and you just realize that, I mean, there's just no reason for them to still be walking around. They're just, there's just, they're not enjoy. they hate their lives. Nobody likes having them around. Especially the people in those rascals who are always rude. And they smell. And hold everybody up. They're rude. Regardless of where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> With, what's the sound? <laughs> that attitude. I'm a rascal. Get out of my way. I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes till I decide to move. Not a thing you can do about it. <laughs> they all think They all think that the woman in the commercial, I'm a rascal in my rascal. And uh, these are not friendly people like in the commercial. I mean, they are just horrible and the, individuals. And they all have that uh, They all have that old person uh, stink on them, the people in the rascal. There's just there's that, that odd, but it's that, as I once said, it's that odd combination of Ben Gay and stool. And you're sort of, you know, and you yeah, kind of think to yourself, and then they're saying, but do you have this without salt or sugar? No, 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 can't have salt or sugar. And you're thinking to yourself, why are you still alive? Uh, but now and again, you will meet somebody who is 70, 75, and it's like they still have it together. You know what I mean? It's, and it's not like they're trying to be younger than they are. It's just that they're still sharp. They've still, you know, they're still invested in life. They are still actively living. And so Lara's Uncle Dick is like this. He worked, and now it helped that he worked at, um, uh, he worked at, uh, not Jet Propulsion Laboratory, but a place just like that. But he, you know, he, he worked for, he worked for the, for the government in a room creating like rocket ships or something. So he's just the smartest guy on earth, even now. So you go over to his house, and I think the last time we went to visit, I think he's 81. And he said, so have you got one of those flat screen televisions yet? And I said, uh, well, not really. And he goes, now let me tell you the difference between plasma and LCD. Do you have a moment? Sit down. And he pulls out like this whole stack of literature that he had been combined, that he had uh, sort of been collating because he was trying to figure out which television he was going to go with because he wants to find out whether it's LCD or plasma that will function the best with his Nintendo Wii. And I was thinking to myself, you are the greatest old guy who's ever lived. So... He had CompuServe still because to go with all of his other broadband stuff because it was a great service. CompuServe, which I think also had a competing uh, online service called the uh, was it the Source? Was it Prodigy? Did Prodigy compete with CompuServe? Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. That disappeared too. Because I think Prodigy was still around up until recently as well. And and if you uh, old school internet users out there, you remember when you first got online and you had an email account? It wasn't even your name. It was like 15 numbers. Yeah, I mean, your email address was like 755321-97J. I had Web TV. Web TV. That that disappeared. I don't think that's around anymore. Did you use Web TV to, uh, to like, comparison shop for a Yugo? Yes. Wow. Web TV, really? Web TV, How I much, had it. Was it like 300 bucks? I can't remember what it was. It, it, was, it was like 99 bucks for the box, and the service was like uh, $12. Yeah. But I had it for a long time. <laughs> that that one little sad syllable there that, yeah, that kind of tells you the whole story of web TV right there. Well, what happened was when images started to move, it was no longer useful. <laughs> as long as it was just text, it worked great. Uh, awesome. All right. Oh, part two. Happy birthday to the Walkman. Remember this thing? The uh, Sony Walkman introduced uh, their cassette portable cassette player some 30 years ago. Kicking off a, a resolution, a revolution in consumer electronics. It changed the way people listen to music. 
Until its introduction, the only way people could enjoy their own music was to go lug around those big, heavy cassette recorders. But the Walkman brought music to a belt clip. Originally, they cost, uh, let's see, I don't see the cost. Oh, wow, originally 200 bucks. Can you imagine that? In 1980, the Wall Street Journal called the Walkman one of the hottest new status symbols around. It really is. Uh, in retrospect, it's a pretty amazing step forward uh, for music. And, and if only because in the 80s, it gave us that thing that was like bright yellow and waterproof. That weird cassette player that looked like it was made out of body glove or something. All right, straight ahead, we have uh, Mr. Skin coming up in the 6 o'clock hour from MrSkin.com. Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio at 7 o'clock. And in the 8 o'clock hour, competitive eater, Joey Chestnut. That was your Geek Watch for uh, Thursday. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Don't forget, later on, we also have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, as well as a KUFO three-pack to our Summer of Rock Spectacular. That is all on the horizon. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Intellect location. KUFO, Portland. And good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. So I gave you that anorexia article to read. Just Don't even you. talk to me about it. No, no, no. The best part is you should go to the uh, you should go to the anorexia checklist. The are you anorexic? Do you have an eating disorder? I realize that I'm not really being local and relatable. I mean, I'm being local but not relatable because on, even though Rick, this is in Portland. This is a disease that people deal with no, every no, no. day. But I'm saying it's yesterday's paper, so nobody can do the picture pages thing. It's sort of playing along with us at home. All right, so you might be anorexic if. All right, everybody now, this is, uh, this is important. Checklist Listen up. ready. All is right. this some Jeff Foxworthy thing? Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> you might be anorexic. <laughs> <laughs> but less funny, I would you imagine. You weigh yourself several times a day. Uh, regularly avoid eating when hungry. Or Wait, eat. was that first one? Were you making that up? Was that like your interpretation of the... Uh... No, that's what it says. If you weigh yourself several times a day. What is several? Is oh, that more than no. once? Rick? I'm just, it's a fair question. Do you have a touch of the anorexic? I don't know. It doesn't give the definition of several. Tim, how many times a day do you weigh It'd yourself? It probably mean like three. My weight never changes, so I gave up. <laughs> that's not true. Here's how I know it's not true, because I know you gained four pounds during the winter. Not last winter, though. Well, for some reason, <laughs> for, some, for some reason, there, there, I can't possibly imagine why that would have been. There's a vase with fake plants on top of my scale. All right. I don't know where to go with that conversation. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. So start from the beginning. OK, so you. OK, so consider discussing your eating habits and body image with a doctor or a psychologist. If you weigh yourself several times a day, I weigh myself twice a day. I really? weigh my- well, what? Yes, once in the morning and once in the. Don't oh, you? I don't even own a scale. No. You don't own a scale? No. Why would I? Because you got to know how much you weigh, so you can obsess about it constantly and try to figure out how to cut no, remaining a, calories cal- out of your diet. No, I'm a calorie counter. I'm not. A, I'm not aware. Oh, see, but that is so. But here's the thing. So to me, it's just the opposite. It doesn't like I. Here's what I, I obsess over calories. Oh my God, maybe we <laughs> we're are. We're not anorexic. even past the first question, and we're anorexic. <laughs> oh, I was weighed a few months ago. I forgot, but it wasn't by me. All right. The I don't look anorexic. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on. So, I was actually just gonna—I was actually just gonna give this answer, but now having waited over uh, or having uh, turned it over my head, having waited, having weighed the answer, I was gonna say that I don't—I don't count calories. I used to, but my whole thing is this: that I'll uh, just—I'll just eat like just a fat bastard. Until my weight approaches something that I don't want, and I have a weight in my head that I will not, uh, that I don't want to go over. That's my deal. Mm-hmm. Is I have a weight in my head that I don't—that I want to say, okay, but see, how would you know? You don't own a scale, you damn woman. 
It's true. Aha! See? Sherrod, you I whipped, are. I whipped myself um, yeah, like a few days ago for the Max Muscle thing to see if I had lost any weight, which I did. Wait, do they, now do they, uh, if I can ask this, Max Muscle, do they make you do a weigh-in? Because like Jenny Craig does that, where it's like they'll come to your, uh, I don't know this because no, no, I'm, yeah, it's not point, like I'm a Jenny Craig spokeswoman or anything. No, the, see, but the point for me isn't to like, you know, lose a bunch of weight. You just want to look better. Yeah. It's like in, it's like Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. He says, I want to look good I naked. Look good naked. No, so, I just, I could never own a scale. I have way too many things obsessive about. Oh, see, but then that, and, and so do I, but I figured, but the scale is one of the ones that I just and can't. And I'd always I, be making excuses like when I'm having a fat day and I'll look in my mirror, I'll be like, oh, it's just a fat mirror. See, but but that's the thing is, but do you, don't you just distrust your own sense of whether you're overweight or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's. See, I like to think that weighing myself uh, twice a day or whatever is just part of my routine, that that actually indicates that I don't have some weird psychosis. Oh, no, because, it's quite the opposite. No, no, but, but because I don't want to, um, because you because you don't want to be either, you don't want to be two things. You don't want to be uh, the, like the woman in this article, uh, you know, who went in there looking, uh, you know, just, uh, like, uh, what do they say in Fight Club? Like Meryl Streep's skeleton if you made it walk around at parties. You don't want to look like that, but be thinking, oh, I'm so fat, you know, because then everybody hates you. I mean, there's just no getting around that. I have a friend, I will not name her, but who lost a ton of weight, and she still complained about herself all the time. And it was, I just wanted to See, that's the thing, her. and then you're just, you're just rooting for kidney failure. I mean, I'll just say it right now. You're just, you're pulling for cardiac arrest. So there's that. You don't want to be that, but you also don't want to be the person who has put on weight, doesn't realize it. Or is just sort of oblivious to it, or it convinces themselves that they're still the weight they used to be, and then they're wearing all the same clothes, and then they got the, and then they, and you know, and here's, and look, I hate to be, be this guy, but it seems like women do this uh, more than men, or maybe it's just more noticeable at doing some a guy, but you'll see those women who, the clothes fit everywhere but one place, mm. and it's like, and but they just don't see it somehow, and there's just no way to point it out. There's no way to go, um, uh, Janice, I, uh, you look a little pregnant, and you probably don't want to do that. Uh, that belt maybe, bit. yeah. Could you put on a, a sweater of some kind? So you you don't want to be either. Of those. So that's why I weigh myself because I don't trust I don't trust my own perception, especially because you see yourself every day. And so if you're, if you're becoming just a big fat ass, you might not notice it if oh, it's happening don't... incrementally. The scale doesn't lie though. No, see, I don't like the scale because I ride my bike a lot and stuff, and I know I have a lot of muscle. And so like the scale just makes me mm-hmm. depressed. Okay, well that's an, okay. Now that's a fair point. So I would rather the... look at myself and be like, oh, okay, my stomach looks really flat. Are we really talking about this? What are we talking? You about? You know, everybody has weight, Sarah, and almost everybody has a scale. Maybe not you. Uh, no, I have. Greg, I... do you have a scale? See, he doesn't have one either. Am I the only person in this room? How is this possible that I'm the only one here who weighs himself? Because you're anorexic. <laughs> because I have an eating disorder. All right, so we get to the second warning sign. I'm using food to keep out the hate, Sarah. But it doesn't look like you ever put on any weight. Well, he's a little stick man now. Maybe because of the anorexia. <laughs> yes. A, we can play a little Anna song. Right? Yes, thank you. Please do. And then I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna work up to a pop tart challenge uh, <laughs> later on today. Don't be frightened. By the way, just so you know, and I do have a routine for weighing myself. I have a routine for how many clothes I'm allowed to wear when I stand on the scale. Just FYI, so we can continue the ball of crazy. Nothing Go wrong ahead. with that. That's what I'm saying, Tim. Okay. Um, do you regularly avoid eating when hungry or eat large amounts when you feel, without feeling like you can stop? You first. No. Yes. Uh, no, you're lying. How can you lie like that? Because I'm all. You avoid I, eating. I've seen you avoid eating. Maybe not known. Maybe no, less now. Only... To be fair, maybe less in the last. I don't know. Maybe month, two months. But I've seen you do that. I've seen you say, "Okay, well, I'm really hungry, but I'm not going to eat because I have a date this weekend, and I don't want to have this three ounces somewhere inside my body." 
I've seen you do that. Yeah, but that was that was long ago. Maybe not at this point in time, but I'm just saying it's not like those uh, those inclinations aren't there. Okay, what's All right, next? So right now I'm no no. You're yes yes. Um, use laxatives or diuretics to make yourself vomit no, or no, lose weight. No, no, no. Because that's, to think about that. No, that's because that's just revolting. I mean, that's the, really I'd is. rather be fat than be hooked. Can you imagine being hooked on laxatives? Ugh. Imagine the shame of that. I mean, it's one thing to be hooked on crack. I mean, at least that gives you some pep. I mean, what are you hooked on? I'm hooked on X-lax. That's oh. just stupid. When I was in a sorority, um, most of the girls in there were like bulimic or anorexic or laxative junkies. Mm-hmm. So it always laxative junkie. It always what? It always smelled in the bathroom. Like you could always like someone would forget to flush the toilet. And there'd oh. be like that night's dinner, wow. like perfectly like corn and everything just floating around. Wait, are you the... talking about from the vomiting or from, from the, the, vomiting. the other? From the vomiting. Okay, I. It was gross. You could see like exactly what we had for our meal. Can I? It's like counting the rings in a tree. Hold on, Cindy oh, yeah. was here, and it looks like before Cindy, uh, Becky was here. And there was a, a bathroom in the boiler room, and that's where all the laxative girls went. Okay, all the laxative girls. I like me a laxative girl. Can I ask a question about that? So, yeah. th- about the being hooked on laxatives, uh, if you're an anorexic or whatever. Not that you have experience, but I'm just saying in general. No, I couldn't. That grosses me out. This, see, me too. That's why I could never. Well, you know, it's like being, like, I could never... Uh, I can. I feel like such a woman even having this conversation. I could never be bulimic though, because I, I, I to hate be vomiting once and it didn't work. <laughs> you couldn't figure out step number one. <laughs> Hold like, on, wait a minute. Step two is lose weight. What is step one again? Anybody? Step one, bulimia. Yeah, I just hate the feeling of throwing up. I can't. That's I. Yeah. I throwing up is the worst thing on earth. I do. There, I will go to so many steps. Uh, to avoid doing that, I will just lay on my bed and do shallow breathing. Like if I get ill or if I have like a stomach bug or something, I will go home. I'll I'll go home. I'll lock the door. I'll shut the windows, and I will just sit on the couch and just kind of go. And do anything you can to not throw up. All right, Emerson, keep it together. Let's yeah. Not, yeah, because it's because it's the worst. Because it's like by definition an unnatural feeling. Because mm. everything is going. The, it's like when you go over that. You know, do not back up. Uh, you know, severe tire damage. It is. It, it, it's like your whole, uh, you know, peristaltic system just going into, uh, you know, just going into reverse. And that's just, there's nothing, there's nothing good. With All right, well, we got a break, but there are a few more signs. So, so far, you're two for three. Well, that's great. Uh, Tim, uh, what headlines are we following on this uh, Thursday morning? Well, the Russians did land a spacecraft on the moon before we did. Some 40 years ago, some long locked away tapes have been disclosed. A Portland woman racks up $1,700 in parking fines in the PDX parking lot, tries to escape. She gets away for a while, but then gets caught. Deputies say a Florida dad asked his fifth-grade son to help dump a dead body. After, well, everybody until he was a his dead prostitute. <laughs> well, some guys take their kids fishing. Bonding. All right. Uh, straight ahead, we have more of our own particular brand of craziness coming up later on this hour. Mister Skin, stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. Welcome to my room. RickEmerson.com. Do it now. That's so revolting. Tim, you sicken me. Thank you. All right. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up at 6.40, our good friend Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Speaking of celebrity nudity, no, I'm not caught up with True Blood, so just... uh, Oh, the greatest show ever. It's not the greatest show ever, but I'm not... Uh, it's pretty I, bad, but it I is, love it. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is pretty great. I'm trying to get through uh, season uh, one now, but I've been saying that forever because it just seems like the last... Well, it's because I was gone. I was in uh, in Seattle, and I couldn't really watch it when I was in Seattle with Lara because she doesn't watch it at all, and it's like, I don't want here's to... And here's the thing about, uh, about True Blood is that, A, it's not just that I didn't want to watch it because she doesn't watch it, so she wouldn't know what's going on, because it's not like you really have to have... 
It's not like you really need it's a, not a lot real, of like brain buster. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to have some sort of you can catch on pretty quickly. Some sort of PhD in vampirology to watch the uh, the, the show or whatever. But do you uh, do you have you probably don't have this? Uh, but, but where it's just that I was I was thinking that like if I just start her on episode eight, which is where I think I am. I was just waiting for the moment where she would turn to me and go, what are you, some kind of pervert? Because all it is is just, it's like endless sequences. I think you're a pervert from the first one. Like women being chained up and then being, uh, you know, bitten by some guy while he's, you know, giving it to her in front of a video camera. I mean, it's just like, it would just be all kinds of weird. Have you been to the one where he crawls out of the grave yet and starts humping her in the cemetery? Yes, yes, that and... (laughs) That kind of even caught me off guard. I'm like, this is dirty. Well, and there's that that, that episode that ends with, what's his name, Uh, Bill just lapping up Anna Paquin's blood off her neck. Oh. Oh, yeah. And I remember watching that, and like I was, at, I was at home alone with the blinds drawn, of course, <laughs> and the door locked. Um, and I remember looking around going, is anybody looking in? It's like, it was like I was watching porn or something. It was to see if my neighbors could somehow see Rick, into the living room. You were watching porn. True Blood is porn. It really is. Yeah. It's just... Well, his tongue is very absorbent. I mean, it's, it's just, so it's just a, the tawdriest uh, program, So, I, but I'm not caught up on it because I couldn't watch it when I was in Seattle. See, and you're so. lucky that you're not caught up because I have to wait for the new episode. Here's the thing, though. I was uh, talking to somebody about this yesterday, and she and I we're both saying the same thing that it's impossible to view Anna Paquin in any sort of uh, to view her as like a you know in any kind of sexual way because she's always just that kid from the piano uh, mm-hmm. to me kind of like Drew Barrymore is always Charlie McGee from Firestarter uh, so I can, I can never find Drew Barrymore hot in any way because she always just seems I always view her as still being like the little girl so I just can't so the Anna Paquin thing is not uh, you know the, that doesn't weird me out it's just that I can't really find her attractive but um, you know what is uh, bizarre was that there was that whole subplot about the what's his name the uh, the brother who gets hooked on vampire blood and he's got the um, male arousal that won't go away. Oh yeah, there's a whole awkward sequence where he's in the uh, he's in the emergency room and the doctor's like, "Well, I'm just gonna have to cut it open with a scalpel." And oh. I just found myself going like, oh, "Why am I watching this?" Yeah, it just gets more and more vile too. P.S. <laughs> All right, uh, Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Thursday morning? Well, Anderson Cooper tells Sarah Palin spokeswoman. He just doesn't understand what's going on here. Michael Jackson's veins had collapsed due to too many needles. And a man has a sweet death dying in a vat of chocolate. That's uh, it's all coming up. All right. Uh, this uh, via text message says, this is from uh, our text uh, service at 52051, says, hey, a fat mirror. No disorder there. I don't have a fat mirror, though. That's, no, I, I was a fat mirror. Oh, like in a fun house? What is, what is a fat mirror? It's my mirror that I always look fat in. Like, you know how they're, like... Oh, is the, the glass bent or something? Yes, a little bit. All right, so do you use that as motivation? When yeah, so- you feel like you might be a little too, uh, maybe too little too happy with your body type, you I'm can just look into the fat physique. mirror. Can you buy those things? They ought like to sell... at Walmart? They... Well, I think, I think if we were shopping at a Walmart, we wouldn't need one. <laughs> There's something wrong with all of these mirrors. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. All of the mirrors here seem to be defective. They make me look like a big load in sweatpants. They appear to be closer than they actually are. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. What step are we on in the are you anorexic uh, checklist? All right. So, yeah. So, you weigh yourself several times a day. I uh, weigh myself twice a day, which is not several. It's not like I weigh myself after every meal. That's more than meal. once. And you're the only one out of four people here that owns a scale. Okay, but that that that's use. a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because Tim Greg is plant on his scale. Okay, but Greg is married, so I, I know there's a mirror in the house. Because I know your no, wife mirror, must have a mirror. Sca- or uh, not a mirror, scale. but a scale. Your wife must have a scale. No. Well, they're happily married. They don't need those things anymore. <laughs> I got me a man. Uh, all right. All right, so, so Freak Boy, so you have one, weigh yourself several times I weigh a day. myself multiple times a day. Okay. Regularly avoid eating when hungry or eat large amounts without feeling like you can stop. Now, that's totally true, but that's true for everybody. I mean, everybody goes through, 
I mean, everybody has has those, you know, those, uh, you know, you go through some sort of a phase, right, where you like buy an entire box of cereal and then you eat the entire box of cereal. And don't lie. And see, and you're giving me that look. You're doing that thing where you're just not saying anything and you're arching. Entire box of no, but it's not a cereal, but you've done that with something. You, I bet you have a binge food that you eat every now and again. Well, I can eat an entire box of macaroni and cheese. I, okay. haven't, in, I haven't in a while. But. That counts, by the way. That's so just, just because that's, it's that's, not... That's a meal. I, but, that's, that's actually, I think, 2.5 meals. If you look at the side of a box of Kraft macaroni, I think the servings there are actually two and a half. So that yeah, is, in fact... a family of six. That, so that is eating, yes, two and a half entire meals all at once in a single sitting. I think that counts as binge eating. And just because you're not doing it right now does not mean that you have not okay, done I'll that myself, regularly. I'll give myself one point, but you're right. two, I have one. I don't sound defensive. <laughs> Seriously, project much? <laughs> okay, um, use laxative or diuretics? No. No. Okay. Uh, see, okay, but here's my question about that, about the, the, the anorexia bulimia thing. So... A diuretic is... Are those like diet pills? Because I've used diet pills. No, but a diuretic, that just makes you pee, right? Isn't that what a diuretic <laughs> is? Isn't isn't that a diuretic? Doesn't it just make... Isn't that just increase your uh, your bladder output? That Does doesn't make any that? sense. Well, that, I don't do have enough bladder pee more? <laughs> Don't look at... I'm it, worried about that. It's not like I wrote the quiz. <laughs> I'm just asking. I think a diuretic... I think a diuretic is like a dietary supplement. Oh, no. how, how about those... You're just saying that because it has dye in the front of it. Well, why are you saying peeing? How about those diet pills... That were spelled A Y D S. AIDS. AIDS. Yeah, I remember those. That was a that was a poor I time. Miss for... mini thins. Let's not go on our mini thin diarrhea again. I was waiting for you to say I miss AIDS. The um, no, there was a diet supplement that came out in about 1986 called AIDS. A Y D S. You want to talk about just picking the worst single time to release a product? If they just waited like six months, somebody would have gone, oh, different You're name. Right. It does make you pee. More. I told you that it. That's exactly what weird. it was. <laughs> okay. Why would I make that up? I don't know. It was really random. No, a laxative makes you uh, do the sit down, and a diuretic in- increases your. No, I drink too much water as it is. I don't need to pee more. No, but, I mean, but that's just dumb too. I don't it even. Is dumb. I don't know how that Drinking would. Plenty of water is good for you. And I don't know that how much weight you would lose by peeing more. It doesn't. It seems like. I mean, it's gross. I know the body's ninety eight percent the water and all, but it seems like you can't pee most of that away. And you kind of don't want to be like a shriveled mess. That's the other thing. Plus, hey, look at this bag of dust. Isn't it hot? Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so none of us there. All right, the next one. Oh, no, but, but back on the laxative thing. Yes. So here's what I don't get about that. I don't understand, how do I put this? I don't understand how that how that works with being uh, anorexic or keeping weight off because... Because it forces your body, th- forces the food through your body before it can properly process it. Oh, is that the deal? So it's before... So it, it's like in out. So it, before it gets uh, absorbed mm-hmm. and broken down. Okay, that does make sense yeah. then. Because I was thinking like, well, once it's out, it's out. Like there's nothing else. Like you can't get the other... The stuff that's stuck in there, you no laxative going to get that out. So, all right, it's okay. Like Colon cleansing would do it. That's yes, it would, Tim. All right. All right. So, uh, next one is spend a lot of time thinking about your weight or your body shape. Well, I think that would, to be fair, that is probably most people. I think uh, we are an image conscious society. I think everybody would say yes to that. Are always unhappy with your weight or body shape. Again, I think that probably most people wish that Will they look. Stop looked... being defensive and just answer. Yes. Okay. Yes to both. Sons of bitches. You, oh, I know that this. Uh, is by the way, you stop. Don't you. think I didn't notice that you stopped answering these. <laughs> All right. Yes and yes. All right. Thank you. Okay. Are you keeping but a tally? This one, but this yes. But this one I, is you and totally not me. Use food to cope with feelings of depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Yes. <laughs> yes and yes. I am. Uh, no, is I am. Food your friend, Rick? No. <laughs> what is what is that? South Park where Cartman says you need a friend. You need a chocolate friend.
Mr. Chocolate doesn't judge you. He loves you just the way you are. Uh, I am two things. I am a stress eater. Uh, and I uh, and see, the, the thing is, you would think that I would be a stress eater and then like a stress vomiter. And that's not so much the case because I just can't bring myself to vomit. Uh, can I, <laughs> you I'll, can't let go of the lo- sweet, sweet morsels. Lo- just, you can't have this food, <laughs> Mr. Toilet. Mine. It's mine. <laughs> Mr. Toilet. <laughs> oh, come on. Rick, share. No, Mr. Toilet. This this food belongs to me. Um, hey, I, so... Um, I, I was actually just just gonna say that now but having he, that's the way he talks when, when his wife is away. As I walk around in Lara's petticoat, holding your poodle. <laughs> uh, I would have me, um, Mr. Toilet, send me a dream. I was. <laughs> I was actually gonna say that having taken this quiz now out loud, having my shame revealed here in public. I think I have to admit that I probably would be anorexic if I could bring myself to throw up, but I just can't. So make you bulimic. Or bulimic. Yeah. I would say, so I'm not anorexic, and I would say that I'm not bulimic, but only because I don't want to throw up. So <laughs> I think probably... The only thing stopping you from being bulimic is throwing up. But I think that's nature's way of, you know, it's like the, it's like the shutoff valve or something. It's like the emergency off switch. Uh, I can't, I, I just hate throwing up so much. Oh, there is one more um, warning sign. Yes? Have a history of sexual abuse. No, uh, but uh, I wasn't pretty enough, Sarah. I was too fat. No one wanted me. Was it you that was mad that like a nun molested one of your like? But it's like somebody you knew, and you were mad that it wasn't you. That doesn't sound like a thing I'd say. That sounds like a thing I'd say, but I didn't say that. Okay. Who were you thinking of that that was mad that they weren't molested? I can't remember. By a nun? I really thought it was you. No, 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 no. I, uh, I like, think what was wrong with me? I think you're merging. Well, I, I did. Uh, look, I, I will say this, that at no point in my life, uh, because I was an altar boy, at no point did a, did a priest ever make any untoward advances to me. And I, I have actually sort of wondered if there was something, if I was ugly even then. No, I felt the same way. Really? So yeah. you felt rejected. Two Catholic guys in the same room never bothered. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, rare. and especially. There should be a book written about that. <laughs> and especially at my church where the Monsignor was just plowed all the time. Yep. I mean, he just reeked of scotch and cigars constantly and you'd figure like there i am hey we're all alone in this sacristy the only the only thing between you the only thing between you and pleasure is this surplus father um so yeah no there was uh, he, i never had any advances made upon me by a priest so i think i was um i must have uh, i don't know it must have been the nose i had uh, a teacher in high school hit on me really oh yeah well then, now see i'm not trying to diminish the creepiness there but that's but don't you think that that just that happens all the time yeah. yes it was kind of awkward though, because he had a new baby and like a like a young wife. Oh, so he what, was handsome. The, well, so maybe the uh, you know like maybe they were maybe maybe the store at home was closed for remodeling, oh, and so he needed he needed to shop elsewhere. All right, so neither of us were molested, neither of us used laxatives, no. but you, Rick, wear yourself every day, avoid eating when hungry, spend a lot of time thinking about your weight, you're always unhappy about your body shape, and use food to cope with feelings of depression. Yes, this that's quiz a, is making me depressed. Actually, five out of eight, bad boy. I gotta go eat. All right, well, there you go. All right. Uh, hey, uh, don't forget, coming up sometime this hour, uh, ladies and gentlefolk, we're going to be giving away a KUFO Summer of Rock 3-pack. I say changing the subject almost immediately. Uh, KUFO Summer of Rock 3-pack. That includes uh, passes to Crew Fest 2, which happens July 28th, Clark County Amphitheater. Uh, it includes passes to uh, Stained, Shinedown, and Chevelle, which happens August 10th at Clark County, and tickets to Pedal to the Metal Tour featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, and Static X. That is uh, the 23rd of August at Washington County Fairplex. Find out more information at KUFO.com. So if you 
you hear stained or shine down anytime this hour, sometime before seven o'clock, you hear stained or shine down. You be caller ten at five zero three two two eight four one zero one, and you will win a uh, KUFO Summer of Rock three pack. All right. I always that, think Billy May was a, you shine down to get rid of stained. <laughs> shine down gets the something. I see, and I don't know. I have no way to finish that. I like where you started there. It's an incomplete joke. We'll have to work on it. All right. Straight ahead, Mr. Skin. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in ADHD. I've written a letter to Daddy. Gay hole. Yeah. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live on Rock 101 KUFO from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, via text at 52051, we have this. Sarah's thinking of the Charlie Got Molested episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Mac is uh, hurt that he wasn't molested. That is exactly are what Are you I'm really confusing of. me with the character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Come on, our lives are kind of weird. Right. <laughs> By the way, here's what you're thinking of. You are thinking I told of... Him and Charlie tried to be all sexy, and, and uh, the teacher was played by Mr. Belding. And so That's was awesome. Trying... Yeah, so, and then Mac was trying to turn Mr. Belding on, which is a little weird. When we were doing the anorexia checklist, on which I think we both scored five out of eight, yes? Oh, yeah, I had two out of eight, Mr. That's, that's anorexia. A, okay, that's a little revisionism happening there, but I'm going to let it pass for the greater good. Okay. Here's what you're thinking of when you asked me if I'd ever been, uh, you know, had the bad touch. You were thinking of that story I told about a nun in science class who seemed to have uh, this predilection for asking uh, then prepubescent boys, probably 12, 13, uh, for asking boys to stand up in science class and to describe uh, various aspects of the act of love uh, out loud and in in retrospect what seemed like um, inappropriate detail as under the guise of it being science. And she never asked girls to do this. That's so during the sort of hum- the, during the reproductive and human anatomy section of the science class, she would say, "So Mark, why don't you stand up and explain?" You know, and then it would be some really off-putting. Um, explanation of some segment of the act. So, anyway, that's a. So, I think you are confused. So, you're taking that story and you're adding and Mr. It Belding to it. In Philadelphia. <laughs> to welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show uh, program director, uh, Christopher Paddock. Hello, sir. Good morning. You know, it's funny about that nun story. Um, I went to a Catholic school and we had this nun that explained biology to us. And she said, and sometimes it's unnatural for those of you to. Exercise your smooth muscles. Anyway. Oh, is that what she said? Yes. She referred to them as your smooth muscles. Uh, all right. That's it, uncomfortable. Hey, baby, I want you... And two uh, years later... Oh, my smooth muscle. Yeah, two years later, I met uh, this Monsignor, and I was in Alter Boy. Now, you know where this is going. It's starting to sound like a Spike Lee movie. But uh, went out to dinner with him, and I think he. I, I, for a second, I thought he was trying to get me to go. Wait, to you the went seminary. out. You went to dinner? dinner with your monsignor. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was involved in the church and, and it was part of the youth groups. So that should have been the warning sign. I was so naive. I'm, I'm just so stupid. Just picturing you going past the uh, so, uh, past the velvet rope at Elaine's. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we went to we went to the Russian tea room. I've got together. a table. Yeah, uh, and I thought it was all kind of weird that we were going out and, and having dinner, and then. Uh, He's like, well, why don't you come back to the, uh, you know, he was inviting me back to where all the priests dwell, like their bat cave or whatever oh, the, it is. To the, uh, the, the rectory. rectory. The, the yeah. rectory, yeah. Yes. Uh, and at that point, I said, no, 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 no. Yeah, and I, I remember going home, specifically telling my parents, man, that, that guy's a creep. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and several years later, 
Was he busted? Oh, yep. Busted. Really? Yeah. Oh. My youth group leader was busted for molesting yeah. kids, busted. too. Oh, see, so that's I the... I blew the whistle back then. I don't, who knows how many little boys' lives... <laughs> yes, you should have blown the changed. whistle, Chris. <laughs> Take it easy. Is that what it's called? <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry. Well, Is they have Freudian? They have whistleblowing laws now, so it's... Well, uh, I'm off to a baseball game to have a hot dog, so... <laughs> Well, hope it gets here in time. Bring some extra food. Sure. Gone from blowing the whistle to having a hot dog. (laughs) Sorry. Well done. All right, Chris. Make it an Oscar Mayer Wiener. (laughs) That's right. We have to do that too when we. uh, Yes. We have that snuff watch coming up. Mr. Meyer Wiener died. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Everson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Our good for Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Oh, you wouldn't believe me if I uh, if I told you. Uh, it, what is uh, up in the world of celebrity nudity, my friend? Well, there's a movie that opens in theaters this weekend. It's a teen comedy called I Love You, Beth Cooper. And there was some buzz because of some articles stating that Hayden Panettiere was going to do her first nude scene. Now, it's a PG-13 film, and my skin scouts checked it out this week. Uh, and she does get topless at the hour and seven minute mark, but her back is to the camera, and we only see side breasts. That is not toplessness. That no, doesn't we count. Do not count. That. So Hayden, uh, fans of Hayden, uh, hour and seven minutes in is the scene, but she does not get naked. And I love you, Beth Cooper, which opens at theaters uh, tomorrow. Now, there's a movie that opened last week called Public Enemies. It's a Johnny Depp, uh, Christian Bale flick about John Dillinger in the Depression-era uh, gangster uh, film here. And now uh, the co-star in the movie is Marion Cotillard. Do you remember her? She won the Best Actress uh, a couple years back for La Vie en Rose. Uh, it was a surprise, this French actress winning our uh, Academy Award uh, a couple years back. And uh, she is not naked in public enemies, but she is from France, Rick. So that means that she's done a lot of nudity. 14 films to be exact, Excellent. many of them full frontal. So uh, if you want to see uh, uh, the co star of Public Enemies Naked, check her out. Uh, 14 movies, Marion Cotillard. Uh, that is in theaters right now. Also, um, they released on Blu ray. Uh, a movie called The Deep. Do you remember that from 1970? The Deep, based on the Peter Benchley novel of the same name. And what's great about uh, this, now Blu-ray is basically HD DVD, and that movie wasn't significant for any reason other than the great Jacqueline Bissett wet t-shirt scene in the first 10 minutes. This is the greatest wet t-shirt scene in movie history. In fact, it was pretty much largely responsible for the whole wet t-shirt craze in spring break that started uh, in the early 80s. So um, Jacqueline Bissett in the deep Blu-ray, new on DVD. Check it out. The greatest wet t-shirt scene ever. Uh, a must-see. No Excellent. Right. As always, doing the Lord's work, my friend. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Rick. Talk. Uh, talk to you next week. That's uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. All right. All the girls are getting their t-shirts wet back then. That's right, Tim. All right. What headlines are we uh, following on this Thursday morning? There's a startling admission for Michael Jackson's dermatologist. And that overturned tanker trek from yesterday on I-84 still causing problems. And we'll talk about Michael Jackson's collapsed veins. Just like the canals of China, Tim. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, Tim Riley will have more on those stories and uh, other uh, aspects of our amusing life in these United States. Uh, coming up next hour as well, the Multnomah County Health Department will be here to answer the question, how filthy is this microphone? We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rock of Portland, 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. 
Live from Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, and good morning to you. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Sarah Dillon, what is the number one Google search right now? Babies on skates. <laughs> Why? Number 55 People is... People can't get enough. I like to think of Jesus as a mischievous badger. Well, who, who doesn't? Look at babies on skates. You know, that Google Trends thing is a dangerous website because you go there and then you just find yourself refreshing it constantly oh to see God. what Americans are saying. Why would people be looking for babies on skates? I don't know. You're not thinking of babies on spikes. No, I'm pretty sure it says skates. Skates. Not spikes. No. Um, right. Let's see. Uh, skates. All right. Uh, coming up uh, later on this hour, we're going to talk to Gary and Paul. They are two officials from Multnomah County Health Department. And even as we speak, uh, they are actually going through the building with a fine tooth, whatever it is they use, trying to figure out where all the germs live. So I'm going to have them. I'm going to ask them a couple specific questions. One, what is the filthiest place in this building? Because everybody, you, you think of the bathroom in terms of germs, but I say notwithstanding the bathroom, which the let's be honest, are also pretty clean because they get cleaned all the time. And here's well, the that's th- because most of the people who used to use them are no longer here. Yes. That is true, Tim. All the prime offenders, anyway. All the clean people work here now. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. Dirty, dirty savages. Who was dirty? You know. You oh, know. You that know. person. Uh-huh. Uh, Remember her? Uh, him or her? Anyway. See how soon we forget these short timers. Everybody thinks of the bathroom as being a place where it's covered in germs. But as Sarah pointed out, first of all, it's probably not the dirtiest place anyway. And even if it was, it gets cleaned all the time because everybody thinks it's just covered in scum or whatever. So it's existed for 30 years, and I bet it's hardly ever been cleaned. That's the thing. So that nobody, but nobody says to themselves, I really got to clean this computer keyboard. And the computer keyboard is I just, do it every morning. But see, I, but so do I. I do the countertops, too. No, but you can't clean you can't the inside dirty, of that computer. Dirty inside. And you know what? Those germs, they have jumping abilities. They look jump right under your cuticles. Every time you type a key, like it just and it you know, de- stirs the debris underneath it. See, I never, you damn woman, I never thought about that because, it, as Bobby said, that using this computer keyboard is like typing on a sewer grate, and typing. And that's, well, because I was talking about how I have my new Mac and how the you know the keys have the sort of butter soft feel, mm-hmm. and he said you yeah, type it on a PC after you use a Mac is like typing on a sewer grate, and I think he was like talking in terms of the tactile sensation. But really, when you think about it, Sarah just made this observation: when you press down, let's say the J button, like that. You have to press your finger down into this sort of crevasse where just a million DJ hands have been scrabbling looking the at com- crevasse. <laughs> looking at computer porn while clutching a bagel. Um, and when you press the computer keyboard button down, it it creates like a sort of, um, you know, like a little shockwave. And probably a bunch of germs just are sort of blown up into the air by that that are then on your hands or in the air. And, and you're you breathing them, them in. Breathing them in. Um, I try so, not to think about it. So we're going to talk about, well, you'll think about it uh, later this hour, Tim, when the Multnomah County Health Department also discusses what's on your microphone. So you want to be uh, oh. with that. With that, let's have you speak into it for a while. Here's Tim Riley with the news. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, here I am at my filthy, filthy microphone. It is 705. They expect sunny skies today. Eyes of the mid-70s. A lady who racked up $1,700 in parking fees at PDX tried to get away with it, almost did, but failed. Airport police claim Cecilia Walton had fees after leaving her car in the lot for three months. So she tried to get away without paying, drove over a curb. She made it. Now, don't try this just because she did it. She didn't get away with it. She speeds down I-205 and eventually stopped near Johnson Creek Boulevard. So you don't get away with it. Uh, all kinds of startling things about Michael Jackson. They're going to continue. KTLA, which never goes out on a limb. KTLA is reporting more than likely Michael Jackson's body was not in that casket at the Staples Center. As a matter of fact, they're saying it probably 
never left Forest Lawn. And so there's a lot of discussion now about where is he going to be buried? Because, you know, that casket that was at the memorial ceremony just vanished and nobody knows where it went. And so the discussion is, was he already buried? Has he been buried? He's already buried. Is he, you know, was he buried at Forest Lawn or was that in fact uh, also a diversionary tactic? And is he being buried someplace altogether different? Is he being buried like in the Jackson family plot, like on one of the reserve, you know, one of the, you know, one of those reserve spaces they have at, uh, you know, like one of their many homes or something. Mm -hmm. And now CNN says Michael Jackson's veins had collapsed in both arms. See, what does that mean? I don't know. When There's they say too many needles being stabbed, but your veins I, collapsed. So they just kind of deflated. Yes. Okay, but I don't. But I don't. I don't get that. When they say your veins collapsed, it moves well, it like a hose. Very often. Or if you have a bunch of holes poked into a hose, eventually poke, it's going to. Gonna... If you keep poking your veins, they're going to collapse. But I don't. Uh, you don't know very very many people it's happened to. No, and I don't. And I don't. Uh, so I guess, so you're saying, Sarah, that it's like if I view my veins as like a garden hose, but I'm constantly jabbing something into the side of the garden hose, eventually... eventually you won't get any water flowing through because, because it's a, holes. a useless hose. So because it, because it becomes perforated, and yes. so it can't, it, the water can't stay in the hose, so the hose collapses. Mm-hmm. So, but my question is, where's your blood going if your veins have collapsed? Isn't the blood just like then pooling into your elbow or something? I don't know. I'm not familiar with the it's operation of veins. It's very confusing. All right. So here's the latest thing. Michael Jackson's dermatologist back on TV, and he's hinting around that perhaps he is the dad. <sighs> he said he donated at least once, and also he admits to giving Michael Demerol. Killing medications. Did you prescribe any? I mean, I've used some sedatives for, you know, when he had surgical procedures that are immense, because don't forget, he had a lot of, he had the burn, the severe burn, when he was burnt on the Pepsi commercial, and his severe hair loss when he, you know, contracted lupus also. So when you lupus? fix all these areas, you have to sedate him a little bit. But if you took all the pills I'd given him in the last year at once, you wouldn't do anything to him. What was the strongest medication you gave him? I once, you know, I, on occasion gave him Demerol to sedate him, uh, and that was about the strongest medicine I ever used. Yeah. And the one thing you have to know is what you're doing with medication. And medicine is not something casual. I mean, I developed... The, you know, certain things in my life. Not a lot, but the way the sites they use Botox on certain injectable fillers. And, I mean, that's my life. And, I mean, the big thing that I say is you see so many people giving Botox parties and things like this, and this makes no sense to me. I don't want to talk about medicine. that. All right. Did Michael tell you he used Diprovan? I knew at one point that he was using Diprovan when he was on tour in Germany. And so he was using it with an anesthesiologist to go to sleep at night. And I told him he was absolutely insane. I said, you have to understand that this drug you can't repeatedly take. Because what happens with narcotics, no matter what you do, you build a tolerance to them. How could a reasonable uh, anesthesiologist give that to someone other than prior to surgery? Because I have to tell you, there are certain people in this world who are not reasonable. They both sound drugged, by the way. They uh, Did you listen to the, but that's the dermatologist, is that the dermatologist? Yes. Right? And Larry King? I'm not saying they are, but they both sound like they've had a few belts uh, <laughs> before uh, beforehand there. So he had, Michael Jackson had lupus? I, I guess so. This is the first I've heard of it. That's Why not? Like it. Corey Heyman, Kerry Green in lupus. Lupus, not Lucas. Never mind. Fine. Uh, so the, so this is the, the, the that Diprovan thing. That's the stuff that they use to put you under or that they can use to put you in the hospital. But, but, but they say that it's actually so, like, you can't get a prescription for it. Yes. In other words, like, it's not like you can go to the pharmacy and get that. They only use it in the hospital. And in, And here's the thing about anesthesiologists. I do know this. Anesthesiologists have, because that drug is so lethal, 
uh, anesthesiologists have the highest malpractice insurance rates of any medical professional. I mean, more than heart surgeons, more than oncologists, more than anything, more than the, any sort of plastic surgeon. If you're an anesthesiologist, they pay more for malpractice insurance than anybody else because it's so easy to inadvertently kill somebody uh, with that stuff. Oh, that's it. And see, we're seeing the weird bell curve, too, where when he first dies, everybody knows Michael Jackson. And then as soon as it starts to come out that things went a little wonky in the last years of his life, suddenly nobody knew Michael Jackson. And now you're seeing this guy drift back to the, well, he knew when he was a little on the inside. Now that he knows it's not him that did it, uh, you know, he's he's there to help point the finger. Then Mariah Carey is apologizing for, quote, not pulling it together during her emotional lip-syncing performance. <laughs> She says she tried to sing, but every time she saw a picture of Michael Jackson flash before her oh, in the monitor, on. she almost tried to cry. So she went on to say she was uh, choked up, and therefore she couldn't lip sync properly. I, because like, it I was lip syncing. It there was, was no. It, it didn't. It didn't Talking seem about pulling things together. Perhaps she should pull her bust area together. <laughs> her bust area. She should pull that dress together. <laughs> pull your dirty pillows together, young lady. Stand up straight. Uh, as as uh, someone who, uh, who may or may not be Tim Riley said yesterday, this is not a bordello. The uh, It really did seem like she was missing part of her outfit. It was like little Kim had suddenly showed up to perform. Um, all right. Hey, have we found anything else out about that guy that uh, sang with her? Because yes, he was quite his good. Name is, uh, his name was Tyne something uh, or other? See, I'm looking here. You're thinking of Tyne Daly. No, I'm not thinking of... Yeah, she was singing with Tyne Daly. <laughs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> no, Ebony and Ivory... <laughs> It was actually, it wasn't Tyne. It was Trey Lorenz. <laughs> Mariah Carey and Tyne Daly. <laughs> well, she was available. Then a hero comes along. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> Bender's a genius. All right. It's uh, 503-228-411. How about a song? Yeah, let's... All right. Coming up, uh, we have... Um... I don't know what all. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk to the Multnomah County Health Department. They will tell us the filthiest locations in this building and how many germs I'm breathing in by using this microphone right now. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain. Your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. Sometime uh, within the next, oh, I don't know, 48 minutes, be giving away uh, your chance to win a pair of tickets to Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which screens next Monday, courtesy of KUFO. Uh, it'll be sometime, uh, I don't know, around uh, 8 o'clock or so. So be listening, won't you please? Also coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, competitive eater Joey Chestnut uh, will be in the uh, studio with us. And I have failed. Uh, Sarah brought her hot diggity dogger. Did you also bring hot dogs? I didn't just bring hot dogs, Rick Emerson. I brought Hebrew Nationals. I suck. I brought you do nothing. You suck, because I've been looking forward to a hot dog all morning. I brought failure. I I had a whole thing of like condiments and buns and whatever uh, set up, and I completely... I failed to bring it, and I brought it to fail. I have nothing. Uh, so, uh, I have... Does that mean you're going to eat them all when you get home? Yes. Oh, and I bought two packages a bunch of, of hot buns dogs. covered in mustard. I admire there were like two packs for seven bucks. So I'm like, okay, we're just gonna have lots of hot dogs and all bond <laughs> to reenact the elephant bun eating contest <laughs> by yourself, and then just crying in a corner. 
because I can't vomit. The Boy Who Didn't Know How to Vomit, starring Rick Emerson. Sounds like a Lifetime movie. All right. Are should there sh- buns at the, the Plaid Pantry? You should have to run across and go to the Plaid. I'm doing a radio show. Uh, I can't be uh, going across to the excuses. Plaid Pantry. You know, we should have the Plaid Pantry uh, folks delivered to us. We buy enough stuff there. They should be, uh, at this point, they ought to be just sort of like our own Cosmo service. Seriously, because service. you forgot your buns. I brought both things that I was supposed to. I had to carry my giant hot dog toaster with me. Yeah, I have. Uh, you have a car. What do you mean to carry it with you? Yeah, but I had to carry it to my car. I had to carry it to 10 feet car. from the back door to and here. And I had to clean it. Uh, that right. is a lot without a doorman. Hey, we should give it Joey is. Chestnut the anorexia quiz uh, when he's in here. Uh, just so I don't feel so terribly alone and defective. Right, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 724. It's going to be mostly sunny today. High temperatures will be in the mid-70s, but not that much hotter. Okay, everybody can shut up now. The Portland City Commission has approved the renaming of 39th Avenue, Cesar E. Chavez Avenue. I guess it has to have the E in it. That'll make the sound extra long. Cesar E. Chavez Avenue. And is it going to be, is it Avenue or Boulevard? I don't It's that. Avenue. All right, so it's going to be Caesar Cesar E. Chavez Bull, uh, Avenue. That's going to take extra long, extra long to write. Hey, let me ask you this, Tim. Yes. Uh, what is the deal with uh, Avenue, Boulevard, Place, Street, etc.? I don't know how they do that. Like, what is the point of that? Why? Do, why do they? I mean, it sounds very continental. Well, and it's not that like they're going to run out of numbers. I mean, why? In other words, why is there both thirty fifth? Street and 35th Boulevard, which there is, by the way. Technically, avenues and boulevards are wider than streets. Is that true? At least they are in some places. So, I believe that. If you go to L.A., everything a boulevard is like two lanes in both directions. But I mean, A street is only two lanes. A place is like Melrose Place, where the actual Melrose Place is just an alley. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like in Southeast, Tim. They're all just like Melrose Place. Uh, so, wait a minute. So... Let me back up for a second. Okay, so a boulevard is wider it's, than it's a... broader. Okay, what is a street? Is this, is there a, a tech... street is two lanes. So, so if it's more than two lanes, it's a street. No, if it's two lanes, it's a street. If it's more than two lanes, it could be an avenue or a boulevard. Boulevard is usually the widest. So what is 39th right now? So 39th it's is an avenue. avenue. Okay, mm-hmm. so it will remain an avenue because it's two lanes in each direction. All right. Okay. Well, that well, it could be in some places. Well, you know, actually, this answers the question. So often we raise these questions and we never get them answered. That actually answers the question because if you, when you're driving through Southeast, you'll hit like three thirty-fifths in a row, and you're trying to figure out, well, what the hell is going on? And it's because one is Avenue, one is Place, one is Street, mm-hmm. and it's very confusing uh, because if somebody goes, well, I'm at thirty-fifth and whatever, and it's like you just don't, and you don't know thirty-fifth what they don't clarify, then you have no idea, you know, like how to get there. So, all right. Well, that actually makes sense. The controversy over a proposed butter sculpture Michael Jackson in Iowa is heading to a public vote. The Iowa State Fair Commission announced plans to honor Michael Jackson by carving out a butter statue, but the decision ended up, well, in public anger. Fair spokesperson Laurie Chappelle says organizers will listen to voters before deciding whether or not to make a statue of Michael Jackson out of butter. Why did that just happen? (laughs) I don't know. The look on oh, your I face. Were, like, in, I thought in, that was the theme for the butter statue or something. I thought you might have been giving a message of solidarity to the anti-butter folk by playing some country song, Tim. <laughs> Lee was, Greenwood it, said it, it best, was. friends and neighbors. <laughs> it was supposed I to like be something butter. else. Well, we'll get back to that later. Is that the, we find out exactly what happened there. Is that the rallying cry for the National Butter Council or something? What you so. just played? Can you play that one more time? Um, it's gone now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Never to be heard from again. You know, I'm not going to give up that easily. What was that cut supposed to be? Uh, it was supposed to be the butter people. <laughs> you sure it wasn't like a jingle of some kind? Just a minute here. I'm not giving up yet. All right. 
Let's try it this time. We're going to go what the vote is. You know, depending on the vote, he will or will not be included. So uh, we are going to listen to the public, to fairgoers, and see what they'd like us to do. People are passionate in Iowa about the Michael Jackson butter statue. It's such an overwhelming response. We know that it's a testament to how important the fair is to Iowans and, and how important the butter sculpture is to them. I like the other sound by better. The other sound by was had way more energy. Well, I like it how she refers to the butter sculpture as he. Yeah. <laughs> she knows well, it's, not gender, it's not gender neutral. That's kind of weird, actually. Yeah, she's like, we want to take him with us. And what do you, I mean, what do they do with the butter sculpture of Michael Jackson so when they're... they eat it. But see... No, they don't. I don't know. Okay, well, but they, they would have to eat it. Now, well, they give it to charity. Now, look, I said last week that they were going to eat the statue, and you guys laughed Maybe at me. Maybe it's butter statues to feed the homeless or something. Right. The homeless don't need butter. The homeless don't have bread. What do you... Here is a bowl of butter. <laughs> Turn your life around, pal. Have a, have a big plate of butter, won't you please? Uh, so what... I mean, they can't just get rid of it, though. That would be wasteful. Right. Do they melt it? I would give it to the homeless to spread on toast. But they... But maybe see, they melt it and put it on movie theater popcorn. Maybe it just, uh, or maybe it just goes back into some sort of big churning thing, and then just gets mixed back in with it. Well, no, because it's been sitting out there at a fair all day. How do they keep the butter statue from not melting? Well, I don't. It think has butter... its own uh, refrigeration unit. Does it? Yes, it does. Wait, Wait. but but you can't. <laughs> this but, is Iowa. Do you have to walk into this the refrigeration? Is where butter is taken seriously. Yes. <laughs> do you have to walk into the refrigeration unit to look at it? You do. No, you can see it has a glass door, like you, like it's over at the plaid pantry. See a plaid pantry. Wait a minute! To have you a can't Jackson actually go up statue. and touch the butter statue. Why would you touch, to touch the, the butter. butter statue? Oh no! I'm just saying. It's gross. I'm going to a fair and I'm paying uh, good money to look at something through glass. Yes. Why did you that, want to that, touch a butter statue? It's retarded. It's not like it's Michelangelo's David or something. No, no, no. Which, be. by the way, is not behind glass. My, the actual Mike, Michelangelo's David, you can go. You can't touch it, but, but it's like right there. You David if you want to, unless you get caught. A Bill O'Reilly is asking Al Sharpton to... <laughs> <laughs> Say it, Chris Paddock. Do you want to go to dinner with me and the other priests? Bill O'Reilly is asking Al Sharpton if he Jeez. really, really thinks Michael Jackson is not that strange. Nothing strange about Michael Jackson? All that plastic surgery, altering his face and all of that, the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on prescription drugs in vitro on white kids, uh, you know, when you're a black man, nothing strange about him? Well, no. I think, first Nothing, of wait, all... You don't think any of that's strange? First of all, uh, you could probably have a large percentage of Americans that have had plastic surgery. Not like that. Well, maybe he had more resources. Maybe a lot of this is exaggerated. It's exaggerated. It's our imagination that he went white on us. Nothing strange about your daddy. <laughs> yes, yes, it's yes. We we completely hallucinated the fact that he looks like someone else now. Do you do? I was. I mean, did you notice how they showed no pictures of him from like the last ten years? I was thinking that same thing. Yeah, it's so just I'm, like okay. They stopped at the history yeah, era. They stopped at like what? What is that? Ninety five? Uh, yeah, around then. That's yeah. exa- that's exact. I that's noticed exactly, exactly what, the same. thing. I didn't see one picture of him dancing on the car in Santa Barbara. No. No, not, not at all. On. Did you guys notice that montage when it was like, you know, all the like, you were not like the montage of him. Did you see how many pictures there were of him chasing around small children? No. In no. the montage? Come here. Swear to God. Like when it's doing like the montage of his videos, there are a lot of him like running around chasing a small boy. That like is... in, like well, in spice. It, well, it goes to the lyrics. You were not alone. I, the, the I am here with you. So. I mean, I, I had the same thing, and I was wondering exactly where the cutoff point would be, but you're right. It's right around the, mm-hmm. the history era. And so I was, uh, I was in line at, the, at Safeway last night. Hey, did you know that you can use baking soda to clean a, a clog in your sink? 
Yes, I did. I didn't know that. I was at Safeway last night buying baking soda because we have a clog at home, and uh, the, and the the landlord is the landlord is wholly resistant to coming and fixing it. And uh, his Has response that happened before. Yes, and his response yeah. was get some baking soda. And uh, we said, what? And he goes, you pour baking soda into your sink and it'll, it'll drain. So uh, anyway, so, mm. I, so I was at Safeway last night buying some baking soda. And it was just, and some jackass in front of me, he was doing that thing of rooting through his his bag looking for a coupon, which you know he's never going to find. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the magazines. They're all Michael Jackson. And I think it was the Inquirer maybe that had the, like a very recent photograph of him. And the thing is, he's, uh, I mean, he's just so bizarre looking mm-hmm. uh, at the end of his life. And I was thinking to myself, what if, like, you had a blind date or something, and, like, that guy just showed up, like, to take you out to a restaurant? I mean, there was no way you'd be, I mean, you'd, you'd think that there was, like, it's like a Keebler elf had suddenly come to take you out. Uh, you know, but you look, but then right above that was a picture of him from, I don't know, like, around the bad era, you know, and then before that was Thriller, where he was, you know, he's such a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, th- that it it really does... It really does let you know how sort of myth-making happens. Because the guy hasn't been dead three weeks, and at this ceremony, which is, I think, probably, I mean, that's going to be the, the lasting memory of him for a lot of people who are too young to really, you know, sort of have a memory going back to, like, the thriller era. That's going to be sort of the lasting image of him. And from now on, it's going to be that Elvis thing where the family takes control of the estate and they will control the images of him that are put out. And it is interesting how they've already started to just disregard an entire period of his life because they do not wish for people to. Re- it's like they no, but it's like, like the, thirteen years didn't happen. Yeah, well, it's like the, it's like the Presley estate doesn't want you to remember fat Elvis in the jumpsuit. They just want you to remember like sixty-eight Elvis, the comeback Elvis. But and no, that's I can it. think of him sitting on a commode eating one of those uh, banana and peppermint sandwiches or whatever. <laughs> hey, yo, man, you want to get me that defibrillator? All right, thank you. All right, uh, and this is all true. All right, let's do uh, one more, and then uh, straight ahead, we'll talk to the guys from Multnomah County Health who will uh, let us know the filth of the studio. Let's do a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for, what is today? Thursday? Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Who knew that Oscar Mayer, the wiener guy, was actually a real person? Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly like to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. Oscar G. Mayer, retired chairman of the Wisconsin-based meat company, passed out at the age of 95. His family said he died of old age. He retired as chairman in 1977 at the age of 62, soon after the company recorded its first billion-dollar year. Oscar Mayer was later sold to General Foods and is now a business unit of Kraft, whatever that means. Mayer's first wife uh, died in 1998. Then he married some chick named Geraldine in 1999. I'm sorry, just picturing Flip Wilson. I'm sorry, just don't, don't mind me. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Oscar, you home? It's a very sad day today in America. Today, this is, I don't know if you know this news, Oscar Mayer uh, passed away today at the age of 95. The uh, Craig Ferguson? Know, yeah. sad. I didn't know the man, but I loved his wiener. <laughs> oh, come on! A bit of decorum! The man passed away! He's 95! He'll be buried later this week in sauerkraut and mustard. <laughs> All right, there you go. There's your snuff watch for Thursday. Was that graveside entertainment? <laughs> Rick Emerson radio program.
right, coming up next, uh, some folks from the Multnomah County Health Department will be here. They'll answer the question, what is the filthiest place in this studio? What is the filthiest spot in this building? What is the filthiest place in your home? So the Rick Emerson Show continues live from downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay there. It's Thursday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Crime is down in Portland, but murders are up. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Excursion into Whimsy. Thank you for uh, joining us. It's 503-228-4101. Sometime within the next uh, 25 minutes or so, you get your shot at a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll play uh, Match the Sorting Hat. Uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, competitive eater Joey Chestnut will be here straight off his uh, fourth-in-a-row victory at the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. I'm sorry, I just realized that one of the guests got the, the defective chair. That chair's like a bad is penny. Is it the sinky chair? Uh, Paul, that thing just... Uh, why do we even own a defective chair? I mean, is there a big... I mean, let's just be honest. There are more chairs in this room than there really are uh, the people to use them. And so that chair seems like a thing that we could have gotten rid of a long time ago. But it, it has... That chair is like... That chair will be here long after we are gone. <laughs> you know that. It's like the furniture equivalent of that talking Tina doll from the Twilight Zone episode where Telly Savalas puts it in the trash and then it just shows up on the staircase later on. They'll tear this building down. Everything will be gone. But that chair will still be here hiding in the bushes. It is the immovable object. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Multnomah County Health Department, Gary Oxman and Paul Lewis. Hello to you both. How are you today? Doing good. Paul, sorry about your chair there. Kind of early. Yeah, it's a, uh, well, (laughs) friend, don't don't start with me about it's kind of early. Uh, So here's the the reason we had you guys come in. There was a story we had a couple weeks ago, and it was not of any particular import because these stories come out every now and again about, you may think you know the dirtiest place in your home, but it's probably not what you think. And then they reveal that the dirtiest thing or place in your home is not like the bathroom because you always just assume it's the bathroom. But as Sarah pointed out, people clean that all the time. And so in terms of just uh, like the actual germ count or whatever, uh, you know, it always ends up being something you're not really, you know, you're not really thinking like the top of a faucet or whatever. So what is it in your estimation, before we get to this building specifically, for everybody who's a little listening, what is probably the dirtiest place in their house, you know, in terms of the actual number of germs on it? Hard to say. Um, probably, actually, probably the bathroom and probably the water and the toilet would be the, you know, significantly germy place. But uh, a lot of that gets cleaned out with flushes. So um, the garden, the flower pots, there's lots of bacteria in soil, not harmful. Is it true that if I uh, flush the toilet uh, that I should always have the lid closed because otherwise all the bacteria just blows into the air and lands on my toothbrush? That's a thing that I read one time and it has just haunted me forever. (laughs) Paul? I think you're good as long as you flush. All right. So I mean, so as long as as long as it's not just uh, marinating, everything should be uh, everything should be fine. And and don't don't drink it. No. Well, hold on. Let me scratch that off my to do list. Uh, Let me ask you about a computer keyboard. So if I'm using a let's say a communal computer computer keyboard here, this is a thing that everybody uses throughout the day. Is that a thing? I mean, does it get? It seems like that probably is just no way to really get it clean, right? It just kind of stays a little gunked up. Yeah, it's going to stay a little gunked up, but the question is, uh, is that really a danger to you? And the answer is probably not. So I'm not, I mean, is that like with a normal keyboard? This is a DJ keyboard, after all, which means that, I mean, and they, the DJs can barely walk upright. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty filthy. 
Um, you know, there's a small chance that somebody, you know, for example, no one picks their nose, but if somebody would happen to pick their nose and then, uh, and they uh, happen to have an illness uh, and they happen to deposit on the keyboard and then somebody typed and then picked their <laughs> nose, but you have to come up with that kind of scenario to really pass illness. So it, it takes kind of a chain of bad things happening in order to pass illness. No, let me tell you, this building is a chain of bad things happening. Let's just have no illusions. So there must be a leaflet for that somewhere. <laughs> Seriously. Do you know this man? And then it's just a, like a silhouette of a guy with you know two knuckles deep into one of his nostrils. From Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs> exactly. 80019. Um all right. So, in terms of like, if I were to go into the the uh, like the average kitchen, let's say, well, you just have the kitchen here, our sort of the break room in there. Um, I'm thinking that a thing that probably doesn't get cleaned very often, uh, the people clean probably the ha- you know the handles at like the faucet, but they probably don't uh, they don't really clean like the top of that. And a thing that I think about all the time, if I'm at somebody else's house, if I'm in the kitchen here, it's that sponge that is always sitting on the kitchen sink. That is like the communal, like, scrub everything out with this and also, like, scrub the counter with it. And everybody just sort of squeezes it out with it and they stick it back on the sink. So is that is that a thing that I should be? I mean, should I just be, should I just be boiling my hands in something when I'm done with that? No, don't boil your hands in anything. It's really bad for your hands. Um, but, you know, sponges, yeah, if you measure, if you culture a sponge, you're going to find a lot of bacteria. But, again, the question is, are those harmful bacteria and is your way of using a sponge, um, are you using a sponge in a way that's likely to transmit illness? And I use it to make tea. I just usually steep it for a good five or six minutes and then uh, and then add a little mint to it. Um, you know, usually the temperatures at which you steep tea will kill or inactivate most bacteria and viruses, so I, I wouldn't worry terribly about that. Um, you know, the bottom line is the purpose of a sponge is to hold soap um, which helps you clean dirt off of dishes, clean sponge and, and old food off of dishes. And if you do that and you rinse off the dishes, let them dry, um, you know, the sponge has done its job and it's really not a danger to you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't chew on the sponge or lick the sponge. You know, I have to say that I, I think I, my, whole, uh, my whole goal originally here was just to have you terrify everybody. Now it sounds like there's nothing to be afraid. It sounds like I'm superhuman. I can probably outlive well, anything. Well, you haven't asked about the microphones yet. Oh, dude, yeah. So That's well, what I'm curious about. Before you leave sponges, though, you know, Martha Stewart would have you microwave your sponge every day and... You'd probably end up burning your. Is hand. that true, really? Oh yeah, because it, to clean it out or to do well, it. Yeah, it, yeah. I, it never even really occurred to me to, to do that. Well, what kind of? So, what is the, the kind of bacteria that you're going to find? Uh, you know, on something like a sponge. I mean, everybody. You know, I always go right to Ebola, but that's just because it's interesting. You're probably not going to find that. But what's the most? What is the most common germ or bacteria that you're going to? You know, you're going to find lurking around on something like that. Well, there's lots of bacteria on uh, sponges. Um, but then there's a kind that like to live in water because sponges are always wet. And again, you could nuke them for 30 seconds every night and get rid of them, but it wouldn't make you healthier and it'd probably burn your hand when you took it out of the microwave. So what about this microphone that my mouth is about an inch away from for probably, uh, you know, 25 hours a week? Is that, and by the way, that your mouths are about an inch away from, not the same microphone, of course, but is there, uh, is there some reason to, uh, to fear this? No. I, um, you You're know, not afraid you, of anything, are you, Gary? Are you just? Do you have you received some super inoculation that the government does uh, doesn't give to the rest of us? It seems that you are a man without uh, without uh, anxieties of any kind. Uh, no, I have my anxieties, um, but I, I try to be practical about them. And you know, the microphone. Um, sure, we're really close to the mic. We're probably blasting substantial numbers of germs on them. Um, but the truth is that most of those germs are going to die. Um, most of them are not harmful to start with, and they're going to die. 
And, um, you know, when we're just sitting here, um, normal breathing is not going to suck the germs off the microphone and into my body. Sucking the germs off the microphone is the worst phrase I've ever heard. Well, speaking of your body, let me ask you this. You always hear this uh, thing. People say, they, you know, you know, the single largest uh, creator of germs is your body, that your body's full of bacteria. But I figured that was just like, I figured that was like your gum, you know, staying in your stomach for seven years. Wasn't really true. Is your body just a big germ farm? Um, we are our own little ecologies, and uh, included in that ecology is um, a very large number of viruses and bacteria. And uh, we probably carry around on us somewhere in the neighborhood between two and nine pounds of bacteria and viruses. Uh-huh. So, um, you know... It's um, and almost all of them are actually neutral or actually mostly helpful to us. They... So Sarah Dillon is covered in something between okay. two and nine pounds of bacteria and viruses right um, now. Thanks, covered on the outside and the inside. <laughs> covered, Sarah. She's covered, covered on the, the inside. inside. So are you? I bet uh, you. Mostly on the inside. I'm just covered with hate <laughs> and uh, and uh, sawdust on the inside. All right. Uh, final question here because I, I live with a, a wife who is a nurse. And so I would think that she would know. I live with a wife. Uh, No, my wife is a nurse. And so I would think that that she would kind of know the, you know, the definitive answers and some of these things. But she's a big believer in that, that antibacterial soap, which I always thought was just a bunch of bupkis. I I was told that antibacterial soap actually is bad because it makes the, it makes bacteria like super powered or something. Is that a thing that just over time is going to create like super germs that'll kill us all? Yeah, the soap from 100 years ago is just as good. All right, so I could just like be using 20 Mule Team Borax or Five something. Team stuff. All right, excellent. Gary Oxman and Paul Lewis from the Multnomah County Health Department, thank you so much for uh, joining us and making the world a slightly less scary place for us all. Yeah, all right, kids, you. knowing is half the battle, my friends. We come back, your shot at winning tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, plus more news, uh, more news from Tim Riley and competitive eater Joey Chestnut. Join us in the studio. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. Stay right there, won't you please? The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO KUFO Portland Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. This is Rock 101 KUFO. And by the way, so just now as Greg was showing, um, Gary and Paul from Multnomah County Health uh, out. This place is kind of a maze, so you can get lost on here real easily. But um, So I was just walking to the restroom, and Greg uh, is, in fact, Greg, if you want to uh, get on the mic here. So so Greg is back there, and he's walking um, Paul and Gary out. And I just heard this. So anyway, we'd be, uh, we'd like to come back in, and uh, that'll be a great time for us to bring the uh, the message back to your demographic. And and those those guys are so great because they're just like, they are just on this one track of conveying health information uh, to the people, and they are very uh, deliberate about it. Well, this could be the first stop on their speaking tour, for all we know. Well, it's funny you say that, Tim. So I I, I kind of just caught this little bit of a conversation, and I said, "Pardon me, is there some some crisis I don't know about?" And so you were having this... What were you talking to them about? Yeah, well, basically he was saying that apparently swine flu is uh, set to possibly make a comeback in the fall, and he figures our audience is the best audience to reach that for. That's what he said. He goes, and we feel that in terms of swine flu awareness, <laughs> you're speaking to exactly the demographic we wish to reach. 
And well, I, they're media savvy with the Facebook and the Twitter and all that. And also apparently filthy. I think that's really the implication. I like you're putting a positive spin on it, Tim, but I think it's just that our audience is covered with, uh, they're just covered with boils and germs, apparently. They're disease-ridden. And yeah. I, and I, could, I was just sort of imagining, like, that is a one-sheet upstairs, you know, for Gus to give to people, you know. Reaching the swine flu demographic this summer. Anyway, so those guys were... Uh, Guys, we're awesome. They were. All right. Thank you, Greg. Uh, so uh, Greg will be bringing in uh, Joey Chestnut, competitive eater here <gasps> oh, sometime. Oh, did you see what uh, I brought in, too? This, uh, oh, and that's that, that hot, hot diggity dog. I brought my hot diggity dog in. All right. Rolls. Who All wants right. the first hot dog? And we want to thank uh, Kirsten, uh, who is uh, the... Uh, who is the so she, there's... Uh, anyway, long story short, um, we work with a guy named Rodney. His kid is a huge Joey Chestnut fan. He can't be here right now, so his uh, wife came in with his kid to meet Joey Chestnut, and she brought some buns to accompany Sarah's Hebrew National hot dogs, which are, as we speak, now being put into the hot diggity dogger. Right? Is it? Are you? Are we going to be cooking these right here in the studio? Might as well. Won't that matter to me? We're done Run here in an room. hour. All right. Um, what do you want yours? Uh, let's see. What are the? What are my options well done, for cooking? Medium, medium rare, or rare? Uh, medium rare for me, please, Tim. Okay. I, I think I'll refrain. You'll be, you'll be oh, we have to cook them at the watch. same time, and I like a medium, so I'll you're going to have medium and like it. Right. Where does all the juice inside go? Hey, that's a good question. Oh, it's amazing. I actually cleaned it out today. It's a little tray. Oh, it's a tray. Wait, so there's a tray just full of hot dog juice at the bottom? Yep. So this must have been a Sky Mall item. Yeah, it, that's it, what it, I thought. Is that actually, is that like a literal, actual Sky Mall yes, item? Yes, dear, dear Seamus bought it for me. Excellent. That is fantastic. So this becomes like a hot ham water uh, kind of a thing there in yeah. the bottom. And the, it's delicious. It's exactly like it's on a grill. Excellent. It's one of my most favorite. Oh, do you want your bun toasted too? Uh, yeah. Does it also now? Wait a minute. Is that toast buns at the same time you toast the hot dog? Okay, I mocked the hot diggity dogger just like five seconds ago. Well, well let me ask you this: What about? It's the, it's the greatest invention. I use it constantly. What could be more American? What about sausages? Will it do a sausage? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. So if I had like a like a kielbasa of some kind, it would. Uh, I can put that in there. Yes, we could have a sausage festival in here. You know, it sounds like. The big old sausage. It's always a sausage fest in here, Tim. Uh, so uh, now I sound like the woman in the infomercial. Wait a minute. You mean oh, to so tell me? You have to spread your buns before you put them in. Is that correct? That's right, Tim. You have to push them down a little bit? There you go. Okay. <laughs> You're a bad I'm person, so Tim Riley. All right. What uh, stories are we following on this Thursday morning? Well, Wiley thieves have stolen over 100 Clackamas County signs. And that overturned tanker truck carrying 67,000 pounds of hunt asphalt. I guess they finally cleaned it up. Hazmat had to be called in. And we're going to revisit a story we did earlier about the Russians actually landing a spacecraft on the moon before we did. All right. So uh, let's do this. Uh, do we have time to do the Harry Potter thing right yes. here, sir? All yes, right. we do. So, Greg, we're going to take caller 10. And what we'll do is we'll take caller 10. I'll read the story that we teased. Then we'll uh, do the sorting head contest. And then we will uh, get caught up with uh, Tim Riley, Steve Castamam, and competitive eater Joey Chestnut here in just a minute. Uh, we will now take caller 10 at 503. 503- 228-4101, for your shot at winning a pair of tickets uh, to the KUFO premiere of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, uh, which happens next Monday, ladies and gentlemen, next, uh, next Monday, July 13th. And uh, and I was actually reading some reviews this morning. I was uh, online, and I was looking up uh, just it's, it's sort of what people who've already seen, like, sneak previews of it, because I think it actually had, I think the London premiere happened... I don't know, maybe, uh, I think it might have been last week. Now, one of the kids uh, in that place. movie just got busted for pot and could go spend 14 years in a British prison. Really? Who, which, which one? Which Jamie Wylett. Who plays? He's a 19-year-old actor. He's kind of a fat kid. He plays the bully Vincent Crab. Row of Crab and Goyle. Goyle. Yep. Nerd. Oh, my gosh. You're a dork. The plants valued at <laughs> more than $3,000. Wow. Were found among DJ equipment and a PlayStation. Well, that is kind of a crab thing to do. It is. Oh, uh, crab. Uh, oh, right, can me, you smell the hot dogs? Maybe. 
Stop and smell the hot dogs. If I had my life to live over, I would smell more hot dogs. How long does it take to cook that? Um, now, do the buns cook before the hot dogs, or is it all timed out for everyone? That's a really good no, question. No, it's all timed out. The hot diggity dogger is amazing, and it all timed out. Is there out. a slide to put ketchup on? For Tim, the, or do you do no, that? No, the buns out? are lightly toasted. The hot dogs are grilled to perfection. If I didn't know any better, I'd think that you I'm would actually... I'm a newsman. I would think that you would actually done infomercials at, at, at some point. All right, Joey. I've been in the audience for Infomer. We should note that competitive eater Joey Chestnut is in the house, as they say. He awesome. is, he is here. All right, well, let's do this. Uh, do we have our uh, music, Sarah Dillon? Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be, uh, sir or madam, as the case may be? This is Jen. Hello, Jen. How are you today? <laughs> Fantastic. I'm sorry. I think one of our buns is on fire. Oh, that's going to set off the, the, the sprinkler. I know. I should. I'm... Oh, God. There's going to be. Oh, no. There's going to be. Uh, there's going to be a smoke alarm that's going to go off. Oh, God. The buns. Right, the buns. Well, the buns are on fire. I, I think these would have been more plumper <coughs> no, buns. No, no, I picked <laughs> the, These buns are a little plumper than the ones usually no, use. I, no, I picked off a piece. When I was uh, oh. pushing the bun down, I accidentally dropped a piece of it in the... Hold um, on, Jen. It's going to be just a second here. <laughs> Can we... Um, Barry, uh, or cameraman Barry, if you could... Yeah, if you could take that somewhere that's not here, that'd be awesome. All right. It seems oh. like a good idea in theory. Wow. All right. Take that to entry comp, please. So yeah, I'm just waiting for the uh, I'm waiting for the water to start pouring out of the ceiling. And round two. All right, Jen, are you a Harry Potter fan? I am. All right, forgive me if I faint at some point during this contest. I'm feeling a little lightheaded. All right, okay, uh, Jen, I here's have that effect. <laughs> here's and she's saucy as well. All right, Jen, here's how we play the game. I'm going to have you pick one of the four Hogwarts houses. They are Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. If the house you pick and the house the Sorting Hat announces match, you win a pair of tickets to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Jen, of the four houses, which house are you picking? I'll go Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. All right, Jen, here we go. Let's turn it over to the Sorting Hats. Yar! Hmm. Well... All right. Hufflepuff. Ah. All right. Well, Jen, my apologies to you and your entire family name. Uh, for, well, thank for you this. anyway. All right. Thank you for listening, Jen. You call us anytime. All right. There it's you go. It's a program. Not everybody wins every time. <laughs> what? Nothing. Let's go eat our hot dogs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm tr- trying to uh, trying to scrape all the black lung out from my insides. And we come back. Competitive eater Joey Chestnut will be here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Are you sure there's something not still on fire in that part of the room? (laughs) Tim Riley straight ahead as well. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of The Rick Emerson Show or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. I was toilet trained at 12. Listen online, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and caloric overindulgence. Thank you for... Uh, Eat your hot dog, Rick. Is this for me? That's for you. I made it for you. Thank you so much. Hebrew uh, Hebrew National. He- you know Hebrew Nationals are the best. What's oh. on it? Nothing. <laughs> we don't have any condiments. <laughs> it's just my mouth on it at the moment. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. No problem, It's 503-228-4101. Oh, don't be gross. You gave me the hot dog. What am I going to do? Wait until it's cold? It would be rude not to eat it now. Someone gives you food, you eat. Am I right? Yes. What? Yes, you're right. Anything to make me quit <laughs> Anything talking. Anything to stop talking. 
All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, fresh off his fourth in a row victory at the Nathan's World Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest, competitive eater and proud American. He represents us all. He is uh, Joey Chestnut. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Ah, all right. I'm done. All right. Exciting stuff. Well, so I, really, <laughs> I'm sitting watching one guy eat one hot dog probably is less than impressive to you. At this, oh, uh, man. This it, it, it was agony watching you down that so slow. Do you at the end of the contest? Are you just so done with hot dogs? That you're just I never want to see another hot dog again. It's not that bad. I, I love to eat. I, hot dogs are pretty easy for me. So uh, I, I never really get sick of them. But uh, it's. Yeah, you have to pay me some money actually to eat one right now. I uh, I have well, a question. We don't have any of that. <laughs> which is uh, see, and we're not going to be see. We're not that show. We actually had this discussion. No, no, we just we just kept talking about you and hot dogs are one of my favorite foods, so we just wanted to eat hot dogs. We had this because it's a good excuse. For and, the morning. Yeah. and there was this grand plan that we had hatched to have you actually sort of walk us through how to prepare the, the single perfect hot dog. In other words, uh, what kind of bun you like? What kind oh yeah, of dog. Name, the next time I eat a hot dog, it's going to be the, the perfect hot dog with with relish and some onions and mustard, the spicy mustard. Yeah. And so you like the spice? You do go like a you do like Chicago style with like celery salt or the the pickle spear, or do you just go for regular just the relish? Uh, re- relish and then uh, you know I'm, I'm I don't care. I'll put I'll put ketchup on. Some people don't like ketchup on their uh, on their hot dog, but uh, I'll do it. So how many did you eat? This year was sixty eight. Sixty eight in ten minutes. So the question is: Is there like like what's the limit? I mean, where I mean, is there is there a point at which it's just not going to be possible to to, to eat more? Ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit more than sixty eight. Uh, it's gonna have to take perfect conditions for me to go more than sixty eight. Uh, my absolute limit probably will be seventy one, seventy two. Other than that, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be all up to the conditions, uh, weather, the 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 like the conditions outside, the heat, and also how, how perfect the hot dogs are cooked. So, in terms of getting ready for the for the, the Nathan's famous contest, which is sort of the big, I mean, that's the gold medal event of the year. Do you? Mm. I mean, do you actually do you train? Do you do? Is it like cardio or? Oh my god, weights. At times, I'm I'm amazed at how much thought I've, I've put into it. But uh, I go I, I go into a regiment that uh, starts about seven weeks before the big contest, and once a week I'm doing a practice contest. And before each practice, I fast for three days, no solid food, and I wake up in the mornings. I drink a gallon of water and then another half gallon of milk, and I just get the get the muscles around my stomach used to go stretching and going from absolutely empty to one hundred percent full. And every time I do a practice contest, I, I try to push myself a little bit farther. I'm talking to a competitive eater, Joey Chestnut. A lot of people have commented on the fact that the guys who are really, really good at this, you uh, are this way, obviously Kobayashi is this way. Um, they, you know, you're slender guys. You're not, you know, you didn't like bigs, like, you know, yeah, huge guys. I mean, and, yeah, I, I call you slender. You're slender. You're really, really uh, fit, low body percent. I mean, I, uh, low, low percent of body fat. But, uh, I mean, I, I pack on the pounds. You can tell I like to eat. I have a big butt. And... Uh, <laughs> But I, I really, I really try to stay healthy. I have to count my calories in the long run, uh, so that I don't get become obese. That was actually. Do you figure? Does your doctor ever go like, "Look, uh, you're not going to be able to do this for much longer. Your heart's just going to fall out." No, no. My, my doctor's happy, happy as heck that I, I really pay attention to my body. He says, "Joey, it's, uh, it's not healthy." Uh, but and he, he also tells me that other things aren't healthy, like marathon running. That's not healthy. Well. Life is a contact sport. It, it, it's uh, you, you have to you have to weigh the long, the long you have to make it long a long term thing. It, you, have, you have to weigh the uh, risk and uh, make sure your lifestyle uh, 
It makes it makes so you can go long distance. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN radio correspondent and stylish man of the world, Steve Kastenbaum, joining us now. And Steve, uh, Steve, you and Joey, of course, are acquainted. You've been covering the uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Contest now for a couple years. So, uh, yeah, in fact, uh, this year I, I snagged Joey and got the first uh, post-contest interview with the champion uh, this year. Right, Joey? Yeah, I remember that. We, we, we uh, snuck uh, snuck past the security guys. Uh, to make sure we got him first this year. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I was coherent when I when I did the interview. You were uh, you were really um, I mean you were suffering the after effects of, of a, a very difficult athletic competition when I saw you. You were you were telling me at the time you just needed to cool down uh, and and can you talk about that how how some people you know think this is kind of a, a, a shtick but for for the people who are competing these days that it really is an athletic competition i mean yeah well it's it's athletic to agree i'm pushing myself to a crazy limit i'm pushing uh, an enormous amount of food inside me in in uh in a, in a short period of time and also going into the contest i haven't eaten solid food for days and i'm just making sure that uh, uh i have room for it but uh the after the contest i i'd, I'd been drinking warm water during the contest, and uh, I'd been slightly, I'd go in without drinking too much water before the contest because I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to take up my room with with um, water. I'm sorry, I have to ask this question. I get asked this all the time, but um, it, what, how do I put this? Um, what is it? Uh, is it unpleasant later? And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> oh, wow. We'll leave it at that. Is, yes, there, is, is there an age at which uh, you think that, that this is just, you're, you're going to have to, do you have a cutoff point for yourself? Do you think you can just do this? I mean, you can be like George Foreman. You'd be like 55 and still doing it. Oh, my God. It, it, it's crazy. Right now, uh, I feel healthier than ever before uh, just because I'm so aware of what I'm putting in my, putting in my body. But, uh, you know, it, I, I'm getting better and better at, at controlling uh, the muscles around in my stomach and around my stomach. So I, I can imagine. I, I don't know what it's going to be like next year. Really, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I think that at times I think I've hit my limit, but other times I think, oh wow, what, what if, what if I'm able to actually push the, the food down a little bit farther inside of me and, and get those other muscles to stretch? You I'm, know, Rick. One of the one of the interesting things about this is one of the reasons the larger men don't do as well as Joey does uh, in this contest is. Uh, the, the bands of, of fat around their stomach don't allow the stomach to expand as far as Joey Chestnut's stomach is capable of expanding. That makes a lot of sense, actually, now that I think about it. And, and Steve, you, I mean, as a guy, you're, you're there and you're watching the event, so everybody uh, kind of focuses at Joey Chestnut. You get a lot of the uh, attention. Kobayashi gets a lot of Kobayashi. attention. Are there, I mean, are there other guys out there sort of on the, on the periphery that we should be watching? Are, they, are there up-and-comers that you guys are looking at going, oh, that guy, next yeah. year, he's going to be a challenge? You know, Joey and I were talking about this uh, right after the contest. There were two other competitive eaters that got into the mid-50s, Joey, right? The guy from Chicago, what's his last name again? Pat, Pat Bertoletti, awesome eater, young guy, and Tim Janice from New York. Both guys are great eaters, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do next year. I think both of them will be in the 60s next year. and If they're in the 60s, uh, I, I, I have to be able to be in the 70s. That's the way I look at it, but... Uh, it's uh, it, they're going to be pushing me hard. We uh, have a listener actually who has got a question. Jenny wants to know, um, what do they? Uh, what about the the sort of food? You know, the sort of little bits of like the food droppings, I guess, that are kind of left around the plate when you compete. How much can be left behind on the plate before you're assessed a penalty That's for a leaving food behind? Good question. Uh, you can't as soon as uh, supposedly as soon as the 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 bun detritus equals at least one bun. Then you're going to be deducted one hot dog. That is the total bun detritus from from the entire event. Yeah, 
All right. So and th- so that is so they do have a system in place uh, in, they, uh, for, for that. In place. And the, if you drop any hot dog, you're supposed to be picking the, the meat. You're supposed to pick it up. You're supposed to pick it up and just you know, just just pick it up no matter what. That's like the half a second. Uh, yeah, the, the, right the, the judge was supposed to direct you to it. You and, know what? One of the most disgusting things is Rick at this contest. After the contest, walking up on the stage to do interviews with the contestants and realizing the mess that you're walking on, where the contestants were actually standing as they were downing the hot dogs. Mastication of five thousand hot bad. dogs. Oh, come on. <laughs> Some of, some of those some of those eaters are not very clean about the eating, and there's just like little pieces of wet bun everywhere. Uh, some of them should be cleaner, and, and I, there should be more deductions. Uh, we were actually, me and Kobe actually are pretty good, and we were talking about this earlier actually because, uh, and this is a good time to mention. So, uh, Joey, you were going to be at Chinook Winds Casino. Uh, the event happens. I mean, it's kind of an all weekend event, but the main event where you're going to be uh, participating is the World Championship Rib Eating Contest. This is the IFOCE, the Inter- uh, International. Federation of Competitive Eaters. The World Championship Rib Eating Contest happens Sunday, July 12th at 3 p.m. And again, it's an all-weekend event, though, and you can find out more about that at ChinookWindCasino.com. ChinookWindCasino.com. It's in Lincoln City, and again, that happens um, all weekend long, and your event, Joey, the Rib Eating Contest, Sunday, July 12th, ChinookWindCasino.com. And he has ribs in here right now, too. And you brought ribs. Now, these are sort of representative of the ribs you're going to have to eat? They, they're the actual kind of ribs we're going to have in the contest. See, awesome Joey, why ribs. do you bring food with you and say that you're not going to eat it? You know, I, I didn't bring it. It was the sponsor. They, they okay. made me. They said, have some ribs. <laughs> Carry uh, them around with you everywhere. <laughs> uh, well, just sort of as we wrap this up, I mean, really, uh, congratulations and, just, and best of continued success and everything. And Steve, you should have heard Steve Kastenbaum. I didn't get to hear him this year because it was he on, on the your weekend. biggest fan. This is the one story where I can let my biases be known. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the, 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 when, when Joey Chestnut won back the belt from Kobayashi after his six in a row victories on the most American of holidays, taking the mustard belt to Japan. That year that Joey won the belt and kept it here on America's shores was one of the greatest moments in sports history, as far as I'm concerned. You should have heard Steve's broadcast from, I guess, from 2008. It, I mean, he just lost his mind. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was like a full-on, the Giants win the pennant moment. But oh, it yeah, was, I, I remember the first time I met Steve. He, I, I knew right from the start he was in my corner. I am totally a competitive food-eating fan. But you know what? The Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, and I know we have to go, uh, would not be as great as it is without the uh, the master of ceremonies, or, or as I like to say, the, the ringleader in this three-ring circus. His name is George Shea, and he's the commissioner of Major League Eating. Just listen to him call it at the end here, and I'll make it quick. That's awesome. That is awesome. Oh, he's crazy. He's awesome. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum, my friend. All right. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio New York. All right. Joey Chestnut again. Best of continued success in all things, Thank you so much for having me on. It's going to be a blast this Sunday if anybody comes out. uh, They're going to have a beer tasting. Uh, a bunch of brewers are going to be uh, uh, bringing bringing out their beers for tasting, and also uh, a bunch of rib cookers. Also, it is an all weekend event, and uh, the main event happens at three p.m. on Sunday. Uh, ChinookWindsCasino dot com is the website for that. Joy Chestnut, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you so much. All right, straight me. ahead, more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. And you stay right there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Thursday morning. You stay right there. 
This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. One-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. It's like if let loose, they would kill you or leave you behind to die in a blizzard. RickEmerson.com. Do it now. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include... Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. That's right. Joey Kramer, uh, Aerosmith drummer extraordinaire and author of the new book, Hit Hard. Be uh, joining us tomorrow. Didn't they play your high school prom or something, Tim? They, they played when I was in junior high school at the stadium in Nashua. That is, that, see, that's, and see, being from the, of course uh, they did. From New England, that you get all, I mean, you know, stories about, um, about a lot of bands that, you know, there are no, there are no similar Aerosmith stories from this part of the country. So all we have here, you know, like 50,000 people claiming they were at Satyricon when Nirvana, you know, played. And Bigfoot. Uh, and and Court, that. Yeah, when Kurt and Courtney met. And Sasquatch, sure. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Here, everybody, everyone, 847. Expect sunny skies today. Highs in the mid 70s. It's official. 39th Avenue will be named Cesar E. Chavez Avenue. Don't forget the E, and everybody stop complaining. It's over. A box of cleaning supplies caused a panic at the B of A in Woodburn yesterday morning. The bomb squad was called out after somebody saw a suspicious package. Well, apparently, the maid was getting ready to clean out the place. They sent out a bomb sniffing robot. And they soon found out what that was about. Well, it was chocolate to die for. A chocolate factory worker was killed when he fell into a massive vat of chocolate at a food processing plant in Camden, New Jersey. The 29-year-old man was standing on a nine-foot-high platform dumping chocolate into the vat when he lost his footing, and in he went. There was nothing anybody could do. Now, what was the? you were going to make some sort of a cultural reference uh, about that story, and it was not the same one that I was going to make. Now I don't remember. It was too early in the program. Oh, see, I remember mine. So, go, so this is with yours. he fell into a vat of chocolate. It was not an Augustus Gloop reference either, which I could do, by the way. Uh, I could talk about how Augustus was down on all fours, devouring the swudge like a cow. Uh, it, but I was, I was going to say, and by the way, I can, from memory, sing nearly the entire Augustus Gloop song uh, as the Oompa Loompas perform in the book. Okay, I do it now. I will not do so. Well, I could just, you know what? Uh, I can... Um, Augustus Gloop, Augustus Gloop, a greedy little nincompoop. And then it ends with them saying, um, uh, a thousand knives go slice, slice, slice. We add some sugar, cream, and spice. Uh, boil it for a minute more until we're absolutely sure. Mm, and I forget the next two lines. But then at the end they say, because they're talking how Augustus Gloop is a big fat bastard who becomes like lovable at the end because he's chocolate. And it ends with them saying, um, for who could hate or bear a grudge against a little piece of fudge? Which is fantastic. Uh, anyway, why do I know things like that? I don't know. It's interesting, though. Well, in any event, that wasn't the reference I was going to make. Didn't the Smothers Brothers do the song called I Fell Into a Vat of Chocolate? Yes, you told me that, but I don't remember it. And the guy screams fire, and they say, well, why did you, you know, why did you scream fire? And he goes, because nobody would come if I yelled chocolate, blah, 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 which I guess was funny at the time. It was the 60s. Everybody was stoned. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, son, will you please help me kill my dead prostitute? Sure. The request of a father from Florida... From where, Tim? Where? Florida. Oh, he put the little round Damn it. object in. That's wrong. I failed. That's right. So the son the next day after these uh, two got together said, uh, what happened to uh, the lady? And he said, well, she left. Well, his son said, Dad, you're lying. She's dead in the closet. 
Well, he, he said, yes, we have to get rid of the body because it's starting to stink. <laughs> but how so, old's the son, does it say? Uh, let's see, how old is his son here? Well, old enough to help, clearly. Old enough, <laughs> to, old enough help. to know the smell of a dead prostitute. That's right. <laughs> I was just going to say old enough to know a whore on sight, but yours is much better. <sighs> Dad. Oh, Dad, come on, another one? It's Ben Affleck here. So they wrapped the body in more bedding. And uh, he and his son loaded it into the back of the Chevy Tahoe, which is big enough for uh, to hold at least one dead prostitute, if not more. They both got into the vehicle and dumped the body in a field. So uh, it's not known how she died. But the uh, boy has been turned over to the authorities who might find him a better family. But <laughs> if, they, if, they, if they try hard enough. It does sound like he's useful, though. Maybe when an internship opens up, we can uh, offer him a position of some kind. Sounds like he's a boy who can help get things done. Good God almighty. Is that the end of today's program? I guess so. There's really no way to uh, there's no way to top that. All right. Hey, uh, before we do anything else, we should mention that coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, ladies and gentlefolk, at 9 a.m., the KUFO half-off sale begins anew, including such businesses as the Agency Ultra Sports Lounge. If you've been to the Agency, you know it's a great place. Yes, um, I've been there. It is. It re- the food it, is delicious. The food is plentiful. There's lots of it. There's lots of different varieties. They got. I mean, if you're you know if you want a garden burger, or if you want the regular kind, or if you want, I mean, they've got all your, you know your kind of standard sort of sports bar fare. They got your wings, your you know your nachos, all that stuff. But the thing that sets the Agency apart, and you almost don't even want to call it a sports bar because it gives you, you know, maybe a, the false image of it, it is just wired to the, to the nines. Um, there's just televisions everywhere, huge flat screen television, not just a few, not a couple. There are televisions everywhere, uh, video game consoles everywhere, and they've got um, sports events that are digitally archived, which means you can watch stuff that's happening right now, but you can also watch uh, sporting events from like last week, last month, last year, uh, whatever. So you really ought to go check it out. It's across the street from PGE Park. That is the agency, Ultra Sports Lounge. And starting tomorrow at 9 a.m., you can uh, get yourself a $50 gift certificate at KUFO.com for just $25. Part of KUFO's uh, half-off sale. So $25 will get you $50 tomorrow. However, if you're a caller 10 right now, you'll win one of those in advance. 503-228-4101 if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, uh, you win yourself one of those certificates. And again, starting tomorrow at 9 a.m., you can buy those for half off at KUFO.com. All right, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Geek in the City Duran and Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. That's uh, tomorrow. We want to thank Amanda Moyer from CNN Radio in Atlanta. We want to thank Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, uh, Gary Oxman, and Paul Lewis from the Multnomah County Health Department. And Joey Chestnut, competitive eater extraordinaire. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, production assistant extraordinaire Greg Nibbler at the front desk. The gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds. Executive producer, Christopher J. Panic Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz is next. It is Thursday, July 9th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. want my Uncle Charlie sausage. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.